Hello, welcome to episode 90 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. My name's Stephen Hill, and as usual, as ever, per the norm, drinking from a, what's that, grumpy mug? Grumpy uh, from Snow White? Yeah, grumpy uh, warning, do not agitate, do not ask dopey questions, and do not expect a happy response. That yeah, is a warning uh, to you, Stephen Hill, and all the listeners and all, as well. And all Black Dahlia murder fans. <laughs> uh, that's the voice of Renfrey Deadman, Hello. ladies and gentlemen. How you doing, someone mate? You all right? Yeah, someone who hates metal, apparently. Uh, I'm very, very good. Thank you. Yeah. Like, um, you can set the record straight this week, can't you, Renfrey, about how much you hate metal? Um, in some cases, yes. In some cases, no. We'll see. Well, that's pretty crazy. Um, shout out to our friends at Musicism. As ever, go over to musicism.net. That's musicism.net and sign up for their courses, their online tutorials, which improve the uh, the skills of the guitarist, of the producer, of the singer, of the songwriter, of all the main ones. Um, still going to say that new course that they've got which feels Mm -hmm. slightly less new at the moment because we've gone on about it for the last three weeks but advanced scales and chords perfect for anyone who wants to write more complex and interesting chord progressions and it will improve your improvisation widdly diddly diddly you can get 25 percent off uh, when you put the code riot in capitals in the checkout on this week's show this is spoiler alert a fucking brilliant week for music absolutely brilliant we're going to be talking about new records from trivium or oh, from elephant tree or oh, from fiona apple cool. from elder who and from catatonia uh, and in broken records we know it's good actually the catatonia records are good as well uh, in broken records we examined the rebirth of Britpop <laughs> <laughs> via the debut album of viva brother famous first words um go over to our patreon page as well, if you feel, if you feel like more of this kind of chat, uh, patreon.com forward slash riot act podcast, and you can sign up to help us out financially in these very testing times. A we'll Renfrey, gi- we'll give you something in uh, in return. Oh, though, and um, we've given you something this week. We gave you a two parter um, of Radiohead mm. goodness, mm. Um, which basically, as I said before, comprised of the 0110 album, Renfrey's Pick, for one of the greatest albums of all time. It's not even a real album, mm. but uh, it was part one, which went out for free. You can hear that right now, wherever you're listening to this podcast, was us talking for about two hours and 20 minutes about Radiohead's OK Computer. Mm-hmm. And part two is on our Patreon page. As I said, patreon.com forward slash right podcast. Sign up for the £5 tier. You'll be eligible to hear part two, which covers In Rainbows and... The online conspiracy theory surrounding the zero one ten album, mm, the binary theory, as it's sometimes yeah. called, as well. Yeah. Um, yes, um, the response has been amazing. Thank you so much to everyone who's got in touch about that. Um, yeah, appreciate and, that. Uh, yeah, it was an awful lot of fun. Um, we recorded uh, Pinkerton this week as well, didn't we, Steve? That won't be going out mm-hmm. for oh goodness me, about a month. For about a month, but we have recorded Pinkerton now as well, yeah. and uh, we've got Sepultura's Roots coming out for you in a couple of weeks as well so lots yeah, of stuff have. to be excited so, about all in the bag all in the bag and mm. we're about to do it feels quite apt to be doing park life by blur next when we, we've got beaver brother this week do you know what i mean yes yes <laughs> i think listen i think listening to viva brother so confession alert here confession alert here with me uh, i've not ever listened to park life by blur um i'm probably going to listen to it for the first well, time ever later on today and well, um i'm a little bit fearful because well 
Well, because, well, well. Because I've never really been a fan of Blur. However, I think today is probably the best time I could listen to it because I've had to listen to Viva Brother a couple of times today and uh, I think anything is going to sound wonderful in comparison to that piece of shit. Well, so, I yeah. think Park Life definitely will. Um, we've yeah. also, if you haven't signed up yet to the £5 tier, uh, we've got the likes of The Wall by Pink Floyd. We have Marilyn Manson's Antichrist Superstar, Appetite for Destruction... No, sorry. No, no, Usual no. Illusion no. 2. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just... Uh, it's okay. You just, you, just con- you just sort of... You have to always go Appetite for Destruction when you're about to say Guns N' Roses. That's just... We're all programmed to do it because it's meant to be the one that we all talk about. But you picked Usual Illusion 2. I mean, it would have been boring going over Appetite for Destruction again. Yeah. And then they played they? the marquee. Yeah, exactly. Oh, did yeah. they? Oh, how um, many fucking times <laughs> have we heard it? We've, all, we've heard it a million times. We, can, mm. we cannot... We go in pretty in quite a lot of detail, more than anyone else, I would argue, uh, yeah. with these sorts of things. But even I don't think I can dig up anything new on Appetite for Destruction. No, bearing in no, mind I the really story's don't. been told again and again and again and again. I don't think I, you know. But all of those episodes are available on the five pound tier. If you don't want to spend five pound, but you would like a little something, something, then you know any amount of money would be lovely. If you put in anything from a pound to four pound ninety nine, the Rioters reviews are up and running in earnest again now. So it should be one a week of them. Yeah, um, we're going to have our 20, done... we're going to have our twenty fifth one go up next week, aren't we? So yeah, oh, those lovely, are pottering yeah. along. Those are pottering along quite Death, well. Death and Love nineteen seventy nine. Uh, them Crooked Vultures are the the, the newest ones. I think you're very keen to do coloring book by glass your soon aren't you fucking lutely am yeah all right good uh, but um, we've got to do candle box first don't forget oh yes we are going to do candle box mm-hmm. as well that'll be fun um <laughs> renfrey <laughs> oh um, before we move on to anything else as well i'd just like to thank uh people we um put out a little call for um reviews uh to be put onto apple music last week and loads oh, yeah. of you responded um to just to get rid of that absolute fucking prick uh who doesn't appreciate that a review show is uh meant to have opinions on it um and yeah we've got like seven eight nine reviews like and all very very positive and all very very nice so thank you very much that was really really kind of you all thank yeah you. that's good um mate i wanted to bring this headline to your attention because annoyingly <laughs> I knew this headline, and so did you, uh, but we didn't really get a chance to talk about it. Um, John Dolmayan, not even sure if he wants to make new System of a Down music anymore. He says it's just so much drama and bullshit. This has been covered by the NME. Um, he said that it's very unlikely that the band will release a new album. Um, now, this is pretty big news in a way, but it's is kind it? of not, is it, Rem? Yeah, no, I was going to say, well, it's not. <laughs> like, it's, I mean, well, is it? Well, I mean... That's the first time anyone's sort of said it in the press, but you and I know because you were sat so. in my living room yes. when John <laughs> Dolmayan was going fucking mental saying, <laughs> fuck those guys. Yeah. And I was censored by the press person. So oh. I'm, a bit annoyed. I'm a bit annoyed that that's become the enemy have jumped on this. And I, I was don't... told not that I'm not allowed to put the stuff that he said to me out. I don't And think I am just going to say that. it because. <laughs> well, well it's out there um, now yeah 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 well yeah it's out there now so john uh Dolmayan, oh, i had a conversation with him i've done two interviews with him uh, well there's two pieces that have gone up on the metal hammer website uh the um one about the the covers album that he put out a couple of months ago which is actually 
got some pretty good stuff on it. It's got some, at least, you know, when you get a covers album, you want a covers album to at least sound different. We didn't cover it because I thought it was, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on at the time. I didn't didn't want to listen to it, to be honest. Is it better than than I um, suspect it would be? Yeah. Yeah, it is actually. Yeah, it's, it's not... It's not awful at all. I don't think it's awful. Oh, okay. um, and uh, and I, his 10 albums that changed his life as well. He's got very good eclectic taste in music as well. And I really, liked, I really liked talking to him. And I liked the kind of openness when he just went, look, you can ask me whatever you want to ask me yeah. about System of a Down. He seems like, really, really nice. He seems really nice on the phone. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. very down to earth. And yeah. Um, yeah. he just went, you know, I, I find it quite embarrassing that we're not allowed to to you know not allowed to that no one wants to do it he's like we should have i mean one of the things he said to me he was like we should have like we should be coming to download with about 10 albums at this point and he's like i find it a kind of source a sense of a source of embarrassment that we don't do that and we don't have that and i found that really really refreshing to hear and to read it now as it's come out um i do find it really really um refreshing to to hear a musician from a band like that go yeah we've we've not been good enough i mean he said he's, he was on a podcast actually uh i'm not going to tell you what the other because you might go and listen to it but he said <laughs> i find it very unlikely i'm not even sure i want to do it anymore it's just so much drama and bullshit in a lot of ways i'm just over it and he'd fought really hard to make an album which is again you know is that's what he said to me mm. um yes it and, is more or less yeah yeah pretty much and yeah i mean i've had my kind of digs at system of a down in this period because i was just like you know if you're gonna be a band be a fucking band and it seems that even the members of system of a down are sick of or a member of system of a down at least is sick of them not behaving like a like a proper band and he's absolutely right Mm. and it's had a massive effect on you know, I know you weren't a massive fan of that Scars on Broadway album that came out last year, but I personally think that if if that uh, Dictator record had come out when it was meant to have come out, I think it would have been received a lot better. As it is, mm. most people have forgotten that it even exists. It's not even been yeah. out a year. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I. I'm a massive System of a Down fan. I would go as far as to say that they're one of my favourite bands of all time. I personally think every single album they've released is fucking excellent. Like, classic record. Yes, including Hypnotise. And mm. um, That would be the one that I'd be like, eh... I think, I think when, well, they're, when they're good, they're as good as anyone that has ever existed. Yes. I don't, I don't know if you've seen this, but I've actually put uh, Mesmerize and Hypnotize on our classic albums as a, as a double header special. Cause I'd like to go into those because again, people don't talk about them as much as they should do in my opinion. Um, mm. And uh, so, you know, you're not going to talk to many people who are as big as a system fan as I am, but at this point it's been so long and I would be so fearful that they would ruin that what to me is more or less a perfect run even people who don't consider it a perfect run consider it a fucking good you know hypnotize is Mm. hardly a bad album is it it's just considered not as good as their other ones but you know yeah i mean i i if the guy who's playing drums doesn't want it yeah and he wants it he wants to do it but he now doesn't want to do it or fucking why should anyone want it yeah quite why 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 should anyone care about system of a down at all in, to be in the nicest it's because they were that good though wouldn't it oh they were they were one of a kind 
you know, um, we had a long, long, long discussion where I ranted and raved about metal <laughs> a lot last uh, last week. And um, when we're talking about bands who can be varied and dynamic within metal, System of a Down are just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful example of that. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, um, good. all good things must come to an end. And I feel like System of a Down ended. Well, I haven't even come to an end. I feel like they yeah. ended a while ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, I just thought I'd bring that up because, mm. you know, yeah, it is interesting, depressing, but interesting. But let's move on to some reviews. And we're going to start with the new album from Trivium. It's the ninth album from the new millennium metal stalwarts. Uh, the follow up to the hugely loved Phoenix from the Flame that was the Sin in the Sentence album. Um, before we get into the review, I just want to say... A few, about a month or so ago now, I teased a conversation that I had with Matt Heafy, which we would be putting out on a podcast. Unfortunately, due to my ineptitude at levels <laughs> and recording from uh, a, a decent source, and this was right around the start of the time when this whole coronavirus lockdown the happened, remote, yeah, we yeah. did not have a very good grasp of how remote, to remote, uh, remote record. Mm. Yeah, So um, that chat is not dead completely but it is trying to be salvaged from something which is at the moment pretty unlistenable unfortunately we um, we have very very high standards for our audio um on this um on this uh podcast and on this show and we you know hopefully people don't even think about um the audio quality on this show and that's kind of how it should be it should be like a good cgi effect you shouldn't even sort of notice it's an effect if you know what i mean you know um but uh yes unfortunately due to difficulties in recording it it's it's not up to our usual standard the interview itself as much of it as i could stomach to listen to because it was quite painful um purely because of the quality sounded wonderful um but yeah the actual quality of the audio is not uh, mm. what we want to release so yeah and everybody involved in that chat and i mean everybody involved in that chat uh including um matt heafy who's a fucking legend uh mm. is trying really hard to either get it rearranged or have it sort of tidied up so yeah. fingers crossed matt's been wonderful actually um yeah. just a sincere thank you from me to well, from all of us to to him at how lovely mm. and accommodating he's been with all of this yeah so. he's he's a top top dude and he's in a top top band because what a ride it has been for trivium over the years adored c confused confounded written off returned despised loved almost in equal measure throughout a now spiraling 20-year career who'd have thought that those snot-nosed kids from the ascendancy era who were proclaimed as the next metallica would have been on such a roller coaster of a journey and survived it to bring us here to album number nine where there is i would say probably as much anticipation on a new trivium album as there has been for almost at any point of their entire career mm. i think that's fair to say renfrey yeah, it does feel like that at the moment, doesn't it? Um, not only a new Trivium album, but a new Trivium album that they very, very kindly decided to name after me. So again, um, sincere <laughs> thanks from the bottom of my heart. You know, it's, it it's really does mean a lot. Turn me on Mr. Deadman. <laughs> <is>, uh, <laughs> 
is null and void and instead <laughs> at last oh the amount of times the amount of times people have sent me youtube links to turn me on mr deadman by the Un- union underground as a joke mm. oh, yeah. kill, kills a part of my soul every time well what does the dead man say about trivium in general renfrey because i i get i have a feeling that you know post millennium kind of metalcore modern metal band we've been here time and time and time again on this Mm. podcast Mm. and i feel like we're gonna be here again unless you say something which might surprise me a little bit um yes and no is what i would say um first of all uh i kind of already said it but i but matt heafy fucking legend lovely fucking bloke heard him being interviewed quite a bit in the run-up to this album and he comes across as thoughtful intelligent down to earth i'm also partly saying all of this because there's a good chance that he'll be listening to this and he's got like a black belt in judo doesn't he so he could kick the shit out of me fuck you up yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so um lovely 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 man lovely man lovely man um when it comes to Trivian's music, I'm, I, I am less enthusiastic. Although that's not to say that I dislike them per se. Um, overall, I would say I'm relatively lukewarm towards Trivium. Uh, I think they are a decent metal band who've had a very up and down career direct trajectory. I don't think anyone could argue with that, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got an awful lot of respect and time for them from the point of view that they are willing to try new things. It's a quality that I always admire. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and we discussed that at length on last week's show. Um, I think I think it would be a good idea for me to provide context in terms of my own personal listening to Trivium. So out of their nine albums, I've only heard four of their records. Those Which would be ascendancy the crusade shogun and this new one so whilst i've only heard just under half of the catalog um three of those four are considered the good ones aren't they i think i'm missing in waves as a good one and the sin in the sentence but bar that you know uh, inferno i think is pretty fucking good as well oh okay Okay. literal children (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah fucking hell i do actually i i actually own embers to inferno but i believe it's still in its uh cellophane which probably and i think i've had it for a well i've had it since it was reissued which was around you want to whack that on and i reckon you'll be and, and especially when you consider the age that they were when they made that record like i went back to it for that podcast that we did with matt and i was and i was a bit like oh yeah it's the first one that you know is probably the sort of the we had a go sort of thing and well anyway i don't want to spoil it too much but it's much much better than it has any right to be well maybe i will but i will say um that a lot of people said that uh about shogun as well and shogun i think yeah by and large is considered their best record these days is that fair um i think there are uh, there is a, a small but hardened group of people uh, and I would include myself in this, who believe that Shogun is the best Trivium record. Although, uh, shit's up in the air for a little bit with that at, the, at, the, at, the, at present. I, I think if okay. you'd have asked me that in 2015, I would have given you a pretty definitive answer. But I think um, things might have evolved since then. But But in terms of as a comeback from something which was a bit of a mess, you know, a bit of a mess like in the crusade um uh, you know and 
obviously have a quite a difficult time in the band to come back with an album as strong and as sort of as, uh, with such a different flavor from the crusade yeah. uh, i think shogun is one of one of the great kind of comeback records yeah it's fucking brilliant mm. um i think shogun's good um i definitely think it's their best record out of the four that i've heard um my issue with trivium really uh comes down to a lack of identity um and trivium to me are a very good metal band but i feel that over the past sort of 15 years they have been sort of put into this category that is considered one of the best metal acts that we have when people talk about albums like shogun when people talk about in waves the the comparisons to metallica around the ascendancy period um the people that they are constantly compared to over and over again are the absolute greats of the genre and that has never really sat well for me and it is purely down to the fact that they are phenomenal imitators but not very good innovators at all. Um, My argument for that is, I mean, Ascendancy to me was, I remember buying Ascendancy at the time because I was quite excited about, Ascendancy was the first time I'd heard of Trivium and the, the, um, the notices that that record got were, stunning if you recall at the time i yeah, believe yeah, yeah. it got album of the year in kerrang did it not I think in the it end might have done, yes you know but i remember buying it even before then i bought i might have said this on the show before i know i've said it to you in private i bought um ascendancy and opeth's ghost reveries uh on the same day mm-hmm. and wow, good day that great mm, well half of it was um ascendancy i tried and tried and tried with and i because everyone was so enthusiastic about it i i god i i played that record like every day for about a month i feel like um i mean i might be over it i might be over exaggerating it because obviously it was 15 years ago but if i played it a lot because i was like i don't hear what everyone else is hearing all i heard was a band who were aping Metallica and Megadeth and giving it a bit of a modern metalcore makeover at the same time, which to that me... That is a very, very simplistic uh, take. That that feels like something I'd say about a band <laughs> I don't like. <laughs> I'm glad you're finally admitting it. Um, well, you know, I've not listened to Ascendancy for a long time, but that was my take on it at the time. Um, I think broadly that is correct. I mean, it's Metallica and Megadeth with a bit of in flames thrown in, isn't it? There are other things in there as well. And the songs, you know, there's some good songs on it. Pull Harder is excellent. Like Light to, oh, like, like to Flies, blah, blah, blah. You know, but yeah. Crusade, I mean, not many people uh, back the Crusade, but that added a sort of cheesier power metal sensibility to their sound, mostly to detrimental <sighs> effect. I mean, again, I, I don't want to get too much into it, but I think you're kind of misremembering that album a little bit. Okay, like, I, I I've not do, heard I, it for a long like, time, admittedly. I'm not going to get into it here because, like, no spoiler, but I think that that's what everybody says, and it's not quite true. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, the things that they did that weren't the power metal bits or that weren't the kind of the, the rock, the more rock bits necessarily actually worked but there are elements of there I mean, there's some good songs i think there's actually a few good songs on the crusade i think there's you know i did a kind of re uh you can go on my spotify and um, and i kind of re um sequenced the crusade because my big problem with the crusade was that 
the first two tracks come in and they're very jarring and it is much more like and justice for all era metallica it's got very very little to do it is that kind of the starkness of and justice for all era metallica um is a big problem as it when it first cuts in particularly when it's coming off the back of an album like the ascendancy which to give um a riposte to what you've just said Mm. is for me trivium do hit a you know it might not you know they're not you know dog fashion disco or like candiria or somebody who is super experimental but what trivium were doing and i think what made trivium exciting particularly around that time which is something that i only realized in the sort of whilst putting these notes together for this record is that um that whole metalcore thing that happened um around sort of 2004 2005 the the metalcore boom the kill switch engage boom um you know i was into a lot of those bands before that boom and we've spoken about it a whole bunch of times before but to me the idea of punks playing thrash metal was really really super exciting and um what those bands used to tend to want to take was kind of hardcore mixed with as you said melodic death metal and um kind of kill them all era metallica that was a thrash they were going for mm-hmm. what trivium did and i think it's kind of where trivium have ridden in their own lane a little bit throughout their career is that they took that anthemic sound of the black album and mixed it with more modern production more modern metalcore sounds and i think actually when you look back at what was going on in metal at that time, when we talk about what what I call the kind of Linkin Park split, where Linkin Park happened, a load of people went one way and a load of people went the other way, which is like a load of people going for like new school, deathcore, new metal-y, much more, you know, the less traditional metal sounds and a load of people like for metalcore and stuff, whereas, and a load of other people going, no, we want classic heavy metal like Metallica and Megadeth and Slayer and yada, yada, yada trivium kind of slide through the middle of both of that by picking up on the kind of the more anthemic parts of the biggest bands countdown to extinction era megadeth the black album obviously being the massive one but also feeding it through uh the influence of what was becoming big and popular and was kind of considered newer at that point your kill switch engages your um early Avenged Sevenfolds, the the whole metalcore boom of that time. And I think it's something that people don't often pick up on that much with Trivium is that they didn't really fit into either camp. And they've continued to not really fit in any camp throughout their entire career. And for that kind of for that alone, I think they deserve a pretty sizable pat on the back just for kind of making sure they don't that they've navigated themselves through what is very very popular at that time and they've still managed to we still have ended up here with what the dead men say where they've now just become a kind of an accepted face of a big metal band do you know what i mean to be fair um i would agree with most of that um i just think that um you know we discuss on this show a lot how the absolute best bands are the ones that take from a very 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 wide pool of influences for me trivium's wide pool of influence 
wide pool of influences has just never been wide enough. Um, I listened to a little bit of shout, a shout out to uh, previous guest Merlin Alderslade. I listened to his interview with um, Matt Heafy on the Metal Hammer podcast a few days ago, and he was talking about the um, records that influenced Ascendancy. And bar the odd um, uh, exception here and there, for example, Muse, which I thought was quite yeah, interesting. Yeah, he did say Muse. yeah, yeah. Um, it was all within metal, all of it. And I think that is kind of like, you know, there's fucking nothing wrong with liking metal. Like, I like metal, um, despite what some people might think after the Black Dahlia murder record review <laughs> last week. But, you know, I fucking love metal. But I think the, the reason why I'm always quite harsh on it is because I love it, because I know it can be better and I know it can do better. I think around that time, that metalcore period that you're talking about, 2004, 2005, um, there were three big bands that came through around that time. They didn't form around that time, but they really became big around that time. The uh, Avenged Sevenfold, Trivium and Bullet For My Valentine. And all three of yep. them suffer from identity crises. And I think the reason for that, I think the reason why they were so welcomed at the time is because of the... Um, the, the vitriol against new metal and what new metal had yes. become new metal yep. these days is looked back on relatively fondly but mm -hmm. towards the end of new metal people were just so fucking sick of it and and for good reason as well there was so much shit that came out there and i genuinely think that ascendancy i, I you know i do think that ascendancy is a massively overrated record and i think most people admit that now and it was received as well as it was just because people were just so fucking sick of hearing that sort of new metal wacky bounce with no guitar solos they were just pleased to hear someone um evoking the the golden age of metal of the of thrash metal and so on and so forth and trivium did fulfill that um that uh, i was gonna say niche that that gap very very well um but my issue to go to go back to what my issue with the band is as a whole i just don't think they've ever had a strong identity of their own to continue through the records that i know um shogun to me i could not get over how much matt heafy sounds like james hetfield um specifically and justice for all era james hetfield on shogun throughout it i mean it is almost as if they went back in time asked james hetfield to you know come come to the studio in 2009 2010 whenever shogun was released and record vocals for it it's crazy um i've not heard this record admittedly but I, a huge criticism of vengeance falls was um that matt heafy was aping the vocal stylings of david draymond is that correct sort of yeah i think a lot of people wondered if david draymond had written the um the sort of the vocal parts in it i mean the thing is though i mean to kind of you know, I, I think um, it's been a well-documented um, thing over the years as to Matt's kind of struggles and troubles with his voices and his deliberate attempt yeah. to try different voices to have, you know, um, different sounds. And so, yes, I think you get, I think to say he sounds, I mean, God, I think he sounds far more like Hetfield on the crusade to be honest than he does on, oh. on shogun personally and i think okay. shogun throws in so much more than just and justice for all era metallica that um i've barely if at all ever kind of picked up on that particularly i think there is like uh certainly uh always a bit of metallica in trivium i don't think that's an insulting thing to say and i don't no. 
I don't think they see it as an insult. I, don't, I think it's probably true of fucking 85% of metal bands that we will ever review. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, and I think, you know, obviously it's been well documented, the the kind of the journey and the the, the deliberate attempts to try and distance, distance themselves from certain scenes to kind of co-opt into other scenes to do different things. to And, and you know, um, it's not always worked. Vengeance Falls, for me, doesn't doesn't work. Silence in the Snow, to follow up to that, yeah. you know, yeah. it, that, I mean, Silence in the Snow particularly is just not the sort of thing, as people who listen know, it's just not the sort of thing that I'm into, that kind mm. of super power metal stuff. And, and you know, uh, it's just not. We, but that was what made um, The Sin in the Sentence such a, a surprise and such an unexpected, uplifting comeback, is that for the first, really for the first time ever, I felt like Trivium had taken everything that they'd ever done and they'd smushed it all together and it sounded like them. Mm -hmm. And I remember listening to it and going, this is a powerful, catchy, uplifting, anthemic, roaring heavy metal record full of anthems and big like solos and and just great songs. And Trivium do not need to be this sort of soul searching looking for new sounds and you know all this stuff they don't need to do that because they, they don't they... need to be that but but the metal press constantly put them up as one of the best bands in this scene and i'm saying the reason that they are not is because they don't have their own sense of identity mm. well i think they do now definitely and the last two records and on this record like to get to this record uh there's quite a lot riding on it and um and again I think this is that you know. I think they need to. They, it's kind of critical that they deliver this time, and I, I think they do. I think this might even be a better album than Sin in the Sentence, which I thought was really good. I don't think it's as instant as a Sin in the Sentence. I don't think it's strictly as catchy at first, but I think there is more depth and more layers and more of the stuff that I really enjoyed from Shogun. The the kind of twists and the turns and the the all the guitars crammed into everything and the darkness of uh of of this kind of aesthetically speaking the in waves period that this to me again feels like now we've just had back to back two really really great trivium albums where they sound really comfortable in their own skin and just write really really wicked heavy metal songs really wicked heavy metal songs to give them credit i think what the dead men say may well be the may well be the closest they have come to having their own sense of identity it's still an imitation of other of bands that are better than them isn't it at the end of the day you we had a quick discussion about this on the phone i don't know i don't think day. in flames are be- i don't think in flames are better than them anymore no i don't think um, megadeth slip, are better slipknot, than them anymore slipknot are better i don't think slipknot are better than- no slipknot not, are- not, not in 2020 they're not 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 in recorded in albums wise for like you take the last three slipknot albums and you take the last couple of trivium albums and they are better. Like this is a better album than we. Not we are not. Maybe we can argue we are not your kind. It's better than the Grey Chapter, and it's fucking certainly better than All Hope Is Gone. I mean, I'm looking. In the last at, ten I'm, years, I'm they have released the, better records. I'm looking at the career as a whole. I mean, I think uh, oof, I, the fact that I'm even. I, I'm 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 trying to view this against We Are Not Your Kind, and we are you know We Are Not Your Kind is 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 a decent record. It's not incredible. Yeah, it's a decent record, but it's decent. I think this is a. I think decent, it's a good record. In fact, I think this is a decent. I think We Are Not Your Kind. Well. 
Okay. And in fact, I, I think, think even yeah. th- I even think this is a good record, but it's not. Uh, yeah. It's not fucking absolute classic, phenomenal, like master of puppets quality, like a lot of areas of the metal press will have you believe it is. And you know, is this going to be an? Are you going to do? You can't do this every week. You can't go on about what the metal press say. Every I'm going to fucking do it until the metal press stop. <laughs> Fuck! No, it's fucking. It's so boring now and like i if people are bored of me saying this already already imagine how bored i am of fucking reading it it's just ridiculous okay well this got i believe an eight out of ten in the the new in the new metal hammer mm-hmm. uh, like you can you can go on about the black dahlia murder and there's no been not been any progression and blah 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 blah, blah for as long as you want and be annoyed at an eight out of ten for last week's black dahlia murder album mm-hmm. i cannot understand how you could be frustrated or annoyed by an eight out of 10 for this record. I just, I just don't, I just don't understand. I don't think, I, I don't, think that is... I don't think, um, I, I'm, I'm not massively frustrated at that at, at it getting eight out of 10 in Metal Hammer, to be honest, not in the same way that I was, th- uh, about Verminous getting an eight out of 10. Um, I, um, I personally don't think it's an eight, um, uh, because of that whole lack of identity thing. I think, I mean, you disagreed with me on this on the phone the other day, but I think there's an awful lot of Corey Taylor in Matt Heafy's performance. I still on this can't record. hear it. There's an awful lot of Corey Taylor on this record. Uh, I think Matt sounds like Matt on this record. I, I think if you, don't. I think if you played, if you played this to me, I mean, maybe because I've listened to them more, but if you played this to me and I, if you, if I had never heard this record before, I think any song you pick from me, and you went and you isolated the vocals and went, who's that? I think I'd say Matt Heafy. I genuinely do think I'm not I'm not just saying it. I genuinely do think that I think now Matt sounds like Matt. Matt sounds like a composite of, you know, a lot of his influences. I'm sure. And I'm sure he is not the only metal singer that or the only singer that feels like that. You know, we'll talk about, you know, the. I mean, even we're talking about Fiona Apple later on, and Fiona Apple has elements of other people in her as well. All, like, all, all musicians do. All musicians, all musicians do. do. Yeah. yeah. To, to, so, to to point out to point out um, a musician being influenced by other musicians as a criticism is ridiculous. It's the it's the pool of influences that they take from, and it's how they use those influences and create something new. My argument is because Trivium are constantly again and again and again considered one of the absolute best at what they do my argument is they aren't because they don't have that sense of identity you disagree that's fine you're welcome to that opinion but i just i absolutely do not see that the the they they've started using the the pick scrape thing um that gajira do on this record i mean maybe they use it on the last one as well okay all right well, but but that just immediately immediately makes me my brain scream gojira you know and and this record is sounds like a best of of metal as a whole from the last sort of 30 years and that's my issue with it it's not like that doesn't make it a not good record this is a, mm. this is a good album it's a real mm. it's a, in some in some I places is, yeah. in some places it's a really good album my beef comes from the fact that they are considered one of the absolute best at this and it just isn't that just isn't there gojira are one of the best at this you know you need to have a a far stronger sense of identity in order to be considered the absolute best of the best trivium so often are and i'm just saying that they're not however well i I think they would be i i think just to cut in there i think um if you're looking at 
sort of sizable and important metal bands from this millennium, if you were to pick a top 10, uh, Trivium would definitely be in there. They'd be in there with Mastodon. They'd be in there with Lamb of God. They'd be in there with Gojira. They'd be in there with uh, Code Orange. They'd be in there with with all the bands that we talk about. And, you know, that's not to say everything they've ever done has been a fucking, you know, a swing and a hit and it's out of the stadium and hooray, it's a fucking, you know, home run or whatever. But I think the staying power I really love, the the fact that they are willing to experiment, I really love. And I think when they get it right, you know, they they make, and you just said it yourself, you know, as a composite of what makes heavy metal great, a kind of composite of 30 years of great American heavy metal music, I think Trivium have found a lane and a speed and a, a spot where mm. they just, especially on the last couple of records, can just bang out what they do, which is, you know, this massive composite of, uh, of, of bits of hardcore and thrash metal and power metal and Iron Maiden leads and you know a bit of a bit of extreme stuff put in here and there and you know and 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 sort of Megadeth technical parts and you know Metallica Black Album era anthemic choruses as well and they can kind of mush them all together for this amazing kind of composite of what to me just you know like I, I talk a lot about sitting there and your leg going when you listen to metal and that always feels like a good sign to me and with the black dahlia murder album i said last week i kind of nodded my head a little bit i listened to it kind of four or five albums i nodded my head a bit i was like yeah yeah black dahlia murder good yeah i like the black dahlia murder um with this album like i said i've listened to it 30 times i put it on this morning and i was like properly headbanging all the way through and just it just to steal that line that we both use so much from the sepultura root special it just fucking feels good metal when it's done with love and passion and with kind of reverence for the genre and how fucking amazing it can be it just feels good and to me you know with my journalist hat taken off and my metal fan hat put on i think this album just before we get into the kind of the nitty-gritty of what's good and what's you know the better bits and how it's put together for me this record just feels good and after everything they've been through after 20 years, it feels better to feel good, this good, about an album by a band who have taken some serious knocks in their time. And, you know, this isn't me going, oh, you know, pat on the head, well done, like, here's a medal for trying. Yeah. This album is just gloriously great when it's great. It's fucking great, you know? To be fair, I agree with almost everything you said there. Um, I don't like it as much as you do, but I do think it's a good metal record, you know? Oh, good. I'm, th- I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think you know, there's some incredible stuff on this record. Um, the There's a song called The Defiant, which is fucking massive. Some oh, of the song, so great. Some of the songwriting on this record is absolutely brilliant. And, you know, it makes me want to stand atop a mountain, clutching my crotch and screaming along to the chorus, you know, which is always a good thing. Um, yeah. I mean, The Defiant, those maiden dual guitars which again mm. iron maiden twin leads is not usually the sort of thing that i go yeah for but it's done again with that stomp that from the black album that kind of black album stomp and that kind of almost that kind of modern metalcore crunch that goes with it and it's just like well yeah like this isn't just that one thing that i don't like it's the, an element of something which i'm not that keen on that they've probably taken the best bit from and they've melded it with all the other stuff and mm. 
yes, you know, at this point, heavy metal sounds like it's 50 years old. Heavy metal sounds like heavy metal. But I think, I mean, that's a gr- that's a great track to bring up as to the sort of the appeal of this song. It's the best. When it's me- the best song on the album. When metal sounds. Mm, uh, I think the uh, the amongst the shadows and and the stones and uh, bleeding to me back to back as a one two is a kind of the highlight. Don't for like me. bleeding to me. I do not. Oh, to be fair, it's mainly lyrically. I think it's. Oh no, no. Not okay. for me. It's just been released as a single. But I you see. gotta love that bloody corpses, broken bones, reveal. I, I don't. I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I think it's a bad song. It just rubs me That's up the wrong way. Song, rubs me up the wrong way mainly because mm-hmm. of the lyrics being appalling. But yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, that kind of tornado thrash that they do on um, Amongst the Shadows and Stones uh, is, is fucking great. They've always been really good at that, to be honest. And Bleeding to Me, it's kind of like, I think it's a weird song because it's quite jaunty and then it sort of feels like a ballad and then it doesn't. And it's sort of, again, it's a it's positioned slightly different, I think, from what a lot of bands would do. It's not quite a ballad. It's not quite a rock song mm. it's not really a metal song i'm not quite sure what it is it's just got a weird energy to it and yeah like i know exactly what you mean it does it does excellent it does achieve that really um odd yeah yeah i i know exactly what you mean that that weird almost no no man's land between yeah. ballad and and rock song um which could be taken as a criticism and, and it isn't um yeah i just can't stand the lyrics <laughs> okay, um fine. but you know hey but how many great lyrics are there are there in metal music not an awful lot so that's probably <laughs> you know that's probably a pretty pretty ridiculous um thing to say anyway isn't it because metal's hardly known for its uh great lyrics um i also really uh got behind what else do i really like um i think actually um the the double punch of the defiant and the sickness unto you um are mm. really good it's interesting that you've chosen the two songs before that um i think it it probably the defiant and the sickness unto you is the really strong part of this record for me sickness unto you is a, is another song which i think is quite hard to work out and i think that is actually that might be the song that i would play someone to go it's someone who was a kind of was being super cynical about trivium Sickness Unto You is maybe mm-hmm. one of the songs that I would play them to go, well, actually, again, what sort of song is this? It's got some fucking unreal lead guitars. Yes. It's got this almost, I mean, you talk about kind of like nursery rhyme hooks, which you spoke about with yes. Radiohead. Yes. And this has an almost kind of nursery rhyme hook and a really sort of odd, almost wave-like time signature, which kind of swings in and then sort of swings back out again. It kind of flows. It flows in a really odd way in terms of the times and uh, the time signature. And I think, again, we won't be the first people to say Alex Bent, their drummer, does a fucking great job. Um, and he, I think, they, it's not a coincidence that they've got better as a band since he's been in the band because um, he's got that thing where I think if you're going to be in Trivium, some people can sort of can do the Phil Rudd ACDC thing and give a really strong backbeat. Do you know what I mean? Just a really simple, strong. And I think for songs that Trivium write, the kind of big anthemic ones, I think you need to be able to do that. Mm. And then there are parts where they go into these mad fucking leads and these big long, and and it's got to be, you know, it's got to be tight and taut and technical. And they've got, he's got to do these big fills. And 
some drummers are really super technical. Mm-hmm. Not many drummers are capable of, of nailing both of those things. You know, yes. it doesn't make you the best, most technical drummer in the world. You know, you, obviously people look at Phil Rudd and they don't think he's the best drummer in the world. But I think the best drummers or the, uh, the, the drummer that you need to be, that needs to be the kind of necessary thing for Trivium at this point in their career, he needs to be able to do both of those things. Yes. And I think he on this record he does both of those things really really well and it's something that they've sort of lacked they have lacked a drummer that's been able to nail both of those styles for for quite a while now so oh, it's good okay. that he's that he's um that he's in a band really i think he gives them a uh you know uh something that they've they've really needed for a while well the playing on this album as a whole is fucking superb I mean, I mean, oh, no, amazing. no one, no one could deny that. There's some absolutely ferocious lead guitar work. I mean, the, the, I think the lead guitar work in a lot of the songs is is some of the best stuff uh, about it. Um, and yeah, absolutely, Alex Bent uh, is this this is his second album with the band. Is that right? It is. Yeah, he's on right. the sin and sentence as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's an incredible player. Whatever they throw at him, blast beats, groovy parts, super fast drum fills, he can do it all, yeah. and he can do it all to a really high standard. I mean, he's hardly John Bonham, um, but you know, I've I've yet to see him play with his fists, for example. Um, <laughs> but you know, and like, let's not let's not go OTT. He's not like one of the best drummers ever in the world. But for this band and what he's doing, you couldn't really ask for a better drummer. Um, he's fucking he's fucking good yeah he's, he's really fucking good, good. He's a, yeah 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 he's fucking good and like i say he is i think he's the perfect drummer for trivium i mean matt and Maybe. Corey as well like yeah matt and Corey um on this this record the kind of the leads and the solos and the riffs that they trade off of each other mm. um again something i think is brilliant about this record is uh listening to the kind of the telepathic understanding you have between two guitarists who have been playing together for, you know, since, since they were kids. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, mm-hmm. some of the ways that those leads come in over the riffs and some of the ways that the, the, the riffs kind of come underneath the leads and the way that a, a lead will, will rise up as a riff kind of dulls down. It, it, it feels like this, it, it feels like, I don't say, we don't say this a lot about a lot of metal records, but it feels like so much love, has been put into this record and it feels again like a love a genuine love of proper kind of heavy metal Mm. all of the tropes all of the the tricks and all of the kind of um all of the best things about metal it feels like there is a real sort of heartfelt want to 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 be able to to kill at doing all those things and you know i think like you said the, the the guitar playing on this i mean matt's a fucking you, you you watch his twitch stream sometimes he plays like six hours of guitar every day or, yeah, you know, like, yeah so of course he's going to be a fucking good guitar player and going all the way back to embers to inferno as i said at the start like you go how old were you like 13 when you wrote yeah, this song you had yeah, a laugh yeah. that's absolutely fucking mental yeah um, no but the he's gu- developed into a fucking great guitar player the, the guitar, guitar the, player. you know we both agreed that the guitar leads on this album are fantastic let's not go overboard though they're no, you know, Demel and Flynn at their best. They're no Hammett and Hetfield at their best. They're no um, Smith and um, fucking who's the other guitarist? I Maiden. Yannick They're no Smith and Murray, you know. Um, and you know, people... Andy Murray's in Iron Maiden. <laughs> <laughs> and some people might be like, yeah, but they're the best of the best of the best. My whole point is, 
music, the metal press constantly compare Trivium and constantly say they are the best of the best of the best. Well, here's what I They're would not. say about uh, uh, here's what I would say about Trivium. I mean, yeah, you know, fine. Obviously, there's not many bands. I think even the no, band, there aren't. The there aren't many. But that's the that whole point. Was, that's the whole point. There aren't many. Any... You can't just willy nilly throw them in like this, which is what which is what happens time and time again. And I think Trivi Trivium have been willy nilly thrown in because well, I, the, I, because I, I there's a lack of anyone else. Uh, I think it feels a little bit harsh. I mean, when you consider, I would take Trivium's back catalogue over anthrax back catalog oh yeah I would take yeah trivium. yeah, yeah. I, trivium have got more better albums than even slayer i would say slayer have that three album run of being absolutely fucking amazing god hates us all is great as well they've not done as much stuff i don't good i don't feel have. qualified enough to be able to say either way because obviously as i said at the beginning of this review i've only heard four trivium records in my life okay. so, so megadeth I'll, how many how many how many great records have Megadeth got? Maybe like again four. Uh, Rust some in peace, fuck... Endgame, um, Peace I... Cells. Yeah, before I found Peace Cells, eighty uh, overrated. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, I wouldn't put Megadeth in the best of the best. I wouldn't put. Anthrax okay, so you're in the looking at a pool. You're looking at a pool of Maiden, Sabbath, Metallica, Pantera. Yeah, Pantera. Um, absolutely. Who else? Anyone? Um, Mastodon deserve it. I think Mastodon? Code Orange are getting there. Uh, on the strength of the new album, I think Code Orange are as good as anything anyone's yeah. fucking ever done. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't have said it, Code it's Orange. It's a two forever, album. But... It's a it's a two album thing so oh, far. I, so I, I think I mean... it's like putting them next to Black Sabbath on the strength of two records is now that. Look, look, no, you ain't going to get anyone who likes Code Orange in the world more than me. Well, let's put it like that. I prefer I Am King to the Black album. You know, they're totally different records and to compare them is ridiculous. But if you... Not even a metal two... record though, to be fair. Uh, well, I Am King. Yeah, it's more of a hardcore record really, isn't it? Uh, all right, if you're going to be if you're gonna be a pedant, which... <laughs> which love. I love to be. I do love to be a pedant. Um, so, I mean, Gojira, would you... Gojira, Gojira you put yeah, in there? Gojira, yeah, I think Gojira I'd put in there. Gojira as good as Metallica. I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying in the same league... I'm just okay. saying. I'm just. So, we're just talking about a league of the best of the you're best. Look, you're looking at. You're looking at a league of bands where you've got Metallica, Sabbath, Iron Maiden, um, Gojira, maybe Slipknot. I mean, I think actually putting Slipknot, putting Slipknot oh. in there feels. Well, Slipknot have their own, three out. Al- three but Slipknot yeah. do have that sense of identity, and I think yeah, they okay, had fine. such. They had such a strong um, effect on metal and how it was shaped and how it was formed um that i think you do have to put slipknot in there system of a down i think mm-hmm. are undoubtedly in there uh if we're calling deftones a metal band then yes absolutely i'm gonna throw typo negative in there as well yep typo does that definitely deserve it so you're looking at a group in that absolute a-list gold star a plus if you then go to the next group of bands trivium are in there yeah. Lamb of God. Yes. Uh, Megadeth. Yes. Uh, in Flames. I think they'd be happy with that. And I think actually when you put it like that's, that. That's a really high compliment. Like yeah. that, that is, you know, that, but again, that is again, not worth getting annoyed about. I think most no, people No, no, would no, no. Annoy- but the annoyance, the annoyance isn't with Trivium. The annoyance is with um, people who compare them to Metallica all the time and all that kind of thing, you know. Um, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to spend too long 
Um, I think I mean I think <laughs> I think I think I've made the point. You know, people can agree can agree or disagree, but I'm pretty fucking staunch on this. I mean, you know, I, I have a, I, I've argued it pretty well, and I'm not going to back down. So you know, no, no, mate. If you're saying that they are like one step down from the absolute greats of metal, I think with a with a co- an entire career where at, they've been at, written or, at their best, they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when they've got a, when you've got a career that uh, you know has seen them written off and um, has seen them kind of take a couple of missteps and all that kind of, I, I think that that's that's probably fair. Um, yeah. But yeah. as for this, I think it's very very good. I think it's, it's very good. Of In the, fact, of I'm going to say of the four I've heard, uh, it's probably my second favorite Trivium record. Um, I like it. Um, I still think they. I still think they're struggling with their own identity. We obviously disagree on that um but they have taken some very good steps towards getting some sort of identity um and they're getting there but i still don't think this is the the be all and end all and nine albums in will they ever get there i'm not sure if they will to be honest well okay well i think that there's here's my summation of it of someone who has listened to the entire trivium back catalog multiple times over the last 15 years um I love Ascendancy because Ascendancy is a record that, like Leviathan, like Sacrament by Lamb of God, or actually it was um, uh, Until the Palaces Burn, um, like From Master Cirrus by Gojira, it was one of the records that I listened to from a newer band that made me go, oh yeah, I really like heavy metal. Isn't this great? So I do have a very, very very strong soft spot for ascendancy um i then went on i've been on a fair old journey with with trivium's back catalog sometimes i think they're fucking amazing like in shogun um and the in, in, in waves we barely mentioned in wave which is mental because did you listen to the title track of in waves i told you to listen to that did you listen to that yeah no i i, I didn't get around to oh remfrey um i mean that is an all-time great banger so I'm told, but then I was told so that Ascendancy, great. I was told that they were the next Metallica on Ascendancy as well. So I've got oh, wow. You weren't told by me, so go and listen to, <laughs> go and listen to I, I would be staggered if you don't think, um, if you don't think In Waves is a fucking great song. Um, and then they had that little, that little drop where, you know, I was properly like, yeah. Quite a comes, significant drop. Happen. Quite a significant and, drop. Let's not piss well, about. No, no, no. I think Vengeance Falls was a bit of a well, yeah, Vengeance Falls was a bit of a drop, and then Science in the Snow was when I went, oh dear, it's it's gone, it's gone for good. And th- I think there are mitigating circumstances for both for why that happened on both of those albums. Now, as you rightly said, I think it's taken a long time, and they've gone around the houses, and they may not have made Ascendancy Part Two fucking eight times, and I think yeah, it's which is which is. Best. To be probably for the yeah, best yeah. that they didn't yes, yeah absolutely um i'd be being a lot harsher the... if they had i'd be being really yeah. i'd be being black dahlia murder nasty if they had and i'm not being black yeah. dahlia murder nasty so. and what we've come to at this point as as you rightly say like for me this is trivium sounding kind of how uh i think they probably sound in their head or how they have always wanted to sound in their head i think it's a fucking really really great heavy metal record is it the best one it's at least the second best one at least i still think shogun is really 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 great like really great um but this is it's it's well tight i think this is 
having lived with it for a couple of months i was i really liked sin in the sentence and when i first heard this i was like oh yeah it's still really at least it's good but sin in the sentence is great i now think this is better than sin in the sentence it's at least their second best record at least um so i'm with you it's my it's probably my second favorite um Oh, it might end up being better than Shogun. And if you come back to me in a year's time, I might even think it's better than Shogun. I I really, really like it. And I'm well, really pleased that I like it as much as I do because if you'd have told me in 2015, I'd be on here like seriously going to bat for a Trivium record. Um, I probably wouldn't have believed you, to be honest. Weirdly, despite it taking us ages to get there, we've both got to a point where we probably agree However, the yeah. difference between us is you will return to this record and I won't. Well, there you go. Um, we'll be interested to hear what people think about that. Uh, it's the new album from Trivium. Uh, it's called What the Dead Men Say uh, and it is out now. I mean, I think if you're a metal fan, you should definitely listen to it. At oh, the yeah. very, very least. Oh, Absolutely yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, check big it out. Big time, big time. Yeah, definitely check it out. Definitely check it out. Let us, let us know what you think. Whose side of the fence are you sitting on this week? Because it's been like three albums in the last week that we've uh, had fairly significant views on. Although I don't, I feel like we're much closer on this one because you at least, you know, you think this is a good album. Yeah, well, I, I think it would be really trite and I think it would be really trite to say that it isn't. I'm just, I just... You know, we're about to review a band who are genuinely doing new, exciting things and a band who, you know, play to rooms of four or four hundred, five hundred people. And when I see Trivium playing to Brixton Academy, it just makes me a bit sad. Yeah, but playing Brixton Academy, taking fucking Code Orange and Venom Prison yeah. with them as well. Yeah. So that's worth mentioning, by the way. Um, Code okay, Orange. cool. Anyway, I don't let's... know about the other two, <laughs> but it's worth it for mm, Code Orange. Well. <laughs> oh, yeah, and Power Trip. I forgot about Power Trip. Yeah, you don't rate Power Trip, do you? Unbelievable. Nope. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Elephant Trees, Habits is the next album we're going to cover. It's the third album from the UK Stoner Band. Renfrey has already kind of spunked it by saying, um, this is not your usual stoner metal album. And <laughs> he's quite right. I mean, a few weeks ago, we talked about Pigs Time 7 and we mm. wondered about what it was exactly about that band that had gained them such a kind of uh, a sizable following when to our ears, they just sounded like a another kind of stoner metal band. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still not sure I, I really know. Um, but what I do know is that when an album like Habits by Elephant Tree comes along, it puts it into quite stark perspective as to why it is that we questioned the success of pigs who are doing whatever they're doing. Who are doing doing a perfectly fine impression of a decent stoner metal band, but nothing else. They're they're the Mm -hmm. trivium of the stoner world. No, they're not. That's not a (laughs) bullshit thing to say. They just sound like one band. You call them the Black Dahlia murder of the stoner scene, but you know. They've made. I only said it to annoy you. It's fine. Yeah, they've made (laughs) the same album. They're the Enter Shikari of the stoner metal scene. Um, There you go. Oh god. I mean, no, but fine. Okay. No. Do you really think Pigs Time Seven are as experimental as Enter Shikari? That's a ridiculous thing to say. (laughs) Well, they've basically nicked Caius's back catalogue in the same way as Enter Shikari have nicked the Fourth Streets album. So um, anyway. Anyway, Elephant Tree. I don't want to talk about that fucking band anyway. Uh, Elephant Tree. 
Actually, uh, I quick, mean... quick shout out to Enter Shikari for sharing our review when you were so nasty to them because that is a fucking classy move. Yeah, uh, cheers, guys. Uh, like I said, mate. As someone, as someone, so every single week, I have to try and convince PRs to share our reviews. And sometimes it's quite easy to do that, especially when we're nice about bands. I don't think it will be too difficult with Elephant Tree. Um, and uh, sometimes, even if you say the slightest negative thing, uh, they'll be a very, they'll be very unwilling to do that, especially when they're a band as big as Enter Shikari. And Shikari, very kindly, just no questions asked, just retweeted our review. And that is classy as fuck. So fair play to Enter Shikari. It's almost like they didn't listen to it, but um, well, I know uh, I know their manager did because we had a long right. conversation about it. So so I can't mm. I can't comment if the band did or not. But it's like I said, mate, last week, like I said last week, they conduct themselves in a in a really good way. Mm-hmm. I never doubted that, mm. you know. I I never said, and that's that's proof of that. So anyway, enough about Enter Shikari. <laughs> Let's move on to Elephant Tree. Um. Elephant Tree, I don't really know much about this band because they've not really been in the press or in magazines, but they have somehow managed to uh, get quite a following in they've the, got, the few years. They've certainly got an underground cult following. Um, I was knew about them from their second album, which is self-titled. Um, mm-hmm. That was um, very good. This is a, another step up entirely. Um, I suppose, yes, I mean... Um, we, 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 I, you know, I'm not going to name anyone or anything like that, but we actually received uh, quite a relatively irate message um, about the R Pigs Time 7 review, even though we weren't that nasty about them, I don't think. Um, we no. just said, you know, they're a perfectly fine stoner band, but I don't really see what puts them over a plethora of other stoner bands there are so many stoner bands these days there's entire festivals based around stoner rock bands and the stoner scene and doom and so on and so forth um and to be fair if you like that kind of thing i see no reason why you wouldn't like a lot of them but they do basically do more or less the same thing as everyone else uh and caius have written the rule book on being the absolute best at it and most of the time with other stone racks i'm kind of like well unless you're either a bringing something new to the table which most of them don't do or b writing songs as good as caius which most of them don't do why should i be interested elephant tree bring something new to the table and some of these songs i think are probably as good as some of the stuff on caius's albums um which Mm, is bloody hell oh mate this record is fucking Mm. outrageous it's it's really brilliant The press so, release describes them as Caius meets Smashing Pumpkins with a little cult of Luna thrown in. And yeah, yeah pretty much. And that, that that is just, it's just glorious. These like stoner vibes with these beautiful lush guitars and instrumentation that then's ma- that's, then is married to these sort of epic songs and these huge song structures. It's heavy yet gentle at the same time. It's fucking mm. glorious. I love. Do you know what it reminds me of? Mm-hmm. Do you know what it reminds me of? Go on, Pink Floyd. Yeah, um, the the for fans of on the press releases, Pink Floyd, Melvin's, Deftones, and Smashing Pumpkins. I think that's perfect. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it really does remind me of like a super heavy Pink Floyd. Yeah, because the songs are kind of they're kind of stonery, but you know, psychedelic stoner is a bit of a thing already. Yep. Paul Bearer, for example, who are great. Um, 
but this is that taken to wild new places i think yeah agree like like you know to i mean smashing pumpkins for the sort of alt rock and that fuzzy guitar uh melvin's i can kind of i mean i guess it depends what sort of it period of melvin's you're talking about um because they've done a hell of a lot of different stuff i mean i see melvin's slightly less in this but then uh, there is a whole raft of experimental stuff that the melvin's did in the sort of the early part of the millennium which is not the first thing that pops into my head when i go the melvin's but uh it exists and i i I understand why they're in the for fans of but but yeah yeah. i see what you're saying Yeah, yeah 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 but overall this is a um this is a brilliantly weird record yeah uh and it's both instantaneous and um a slow burn at the same time if if you know what i mean by that yes on one hand you can put this on and go oh cool this is really good the first time you hear it but it's eight to ten listens in where you start to really be enveloped by the world of yeah. elephant tree i think yeah i totally uh, agree and how many uh, records have that instantaneous pull on you and yet reveal more and more and more and more and more listens as they go on i mean another, white pony what yeah white pony um underneath um mm. you know like like they're pretty rare though those records you know yeah they um, are, yeah. yeah some trick mm. yeah 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 really it's incredible good. i think your i think your comparison to pink floyd is absolutely on the money i mean um uh, to be fair i've on the I've, money dun, dun, dun. Uh, didn't, didn't even realize i'd done that um you know i to be fair at the beginning of the pink floyd the wall special i did say that the frustration with me never managing to get into pink floyd <laughs> was the fact that um, they have influenced a whole raft of some of my favourite bands and a whole heap of my favourite bands would not even exist if it weren't for Pink Floyd. And th- that that is why it's really frustrating that I can't get into Pink Floyd. I've just got another band to add to to that whole raft of favourite <laughs> bands, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, the places they go, as you say, like... There's one song on here called The Fall Chorus, which is acoustic throughout. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually has a very traditional kind of folk vibe while still remaining in the um, uh, stoner camp. Um, it actually reminds me of something, um, I'm not sure, I don't think this will be an artist you're familiar with, but it reminds me of Emily Barker and the Red Clay Halo, who are basically this not. Um, folksy-woksy, um, you know, lots of strings, violins, and so on well, and so forth, folk band. Um, it, and it comes halfway through the record and it reminds me very much of Space Cadet from uh, Welcome to Sky Valley. It's this yeah. point in the middle of the record where everything just sort of goes still just for sort of, I mean, in this case, about four minutes. Um, and it's this beautiful moment of calm before Birds comes in, uh, which is fucking amazing birds comes in in a similar kind of vein before exploding about 45 seconds in in Mm. yeah into a massive riff the most euphoric riff imaginable it's outstanding i wanted to mention folk actually because i did the forthcoming new band feature or in metal hammer magazine for this band ah. now they're not really a new band are they that's the sort of not really interesting thing about it and no. i didn't have very much i mean i spoke to them for a good sort of 45 minutes but unfortunately being quite a small piece i didn't really get to really sort of delve into everything properly although we did talk for quite a long time um and one of the really interesting things that 
that was sort of fed back to me was I think it's Pete the um, the vocalist Peter uh, I don't know his surname unfortunately um, he said to me that he I think it was him he said I, I don't really like metal I don't really listen to metal he said no, he didn't say I didn't like it he said I don't really listen to metal he said I quite like it but it's not really something that I ever think about or I ever kind of have anything to do with and you know one thing I will say about your um, review of Trivium which is sort of fairly fair I guess is that you know they love metal and they all listen to metal yeah. and they are influenced by metal and that's fine yeah. like I've yeah. you know I think when you're the, we're not going to go back into it but I think when you're that good at and that influenced by so much metal then it's fine to make a really good metal record but the difference here is that you know there's actually if you were to put up the pie chart of where each genre sits i think like stoner rock and metal wouldn't make up a particularly big um slice of the pie and even though i do really do think this is one of those they are one of those sort of desert fest bands they don't they, they stick like out one. like they stick out like a sore thumb though they, they absolutely yeah. stick out like yeah, a sore yeah, thumb yeah. yeah because and how often can you say that about stoner bands hmm rare it's very very rare uh and they were talking to me about kind of old english folk uh -huh. electronic music um you know uh kind of classic rock indie music um it, it was a big old melting pot full of uh -huh. stuff yep. uh and you know the result of that is i think probably is this the best stoner record of the last 10 years Oh, uh, well, look, I mean, w mm, oh, um, very possibly, yes. Um, I mean, interestingly, uh, as well as that sort of pigs, 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 pigs um, we've had quite a few suggestions from people um, over the last few weeks, weirdly sending us um, lots of stoner stuff and being like, oh, have you covered the new Lowrider record? Or, you know, have you covered this, this, this? I keep getting them and I'll give them a little listen. And then I'm like, and knowing full well that this album was coming up, I'm like, there's no point. There's no point in covering it because this is about to piss on everything um, in the stoner rock field. And to be fair, the stoner rock field is a fairly, I mean, they're, they're all fucking stoners, aren't they? <laughs> you know, they, they like, they're basically staying in the same lane and doing the same thing. There's nothing wrong with that to a degree, to a degree, but in terms of things that are... Well, you've changed your tune. To, uh, well, hence me saying to a degree. <laughs> yeah. um, um, but the reason why we didn't cover... The reason why I wasn't enamoured with covering those um, lowrider records or or whatever, we put Pigs, 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 Pigs in because it's an interesting one because they are getting traction in places where you wouldn't expect them to get traction. This may or may not, annoyingly, I mean, the way that things go these days, because it's a really difficult sound to define, it probably won't, which is a right fucker. But we pride well, they're ourselves. They're doing pretty well for themselves, aren't they? They're in, not doing too bad. Scene. They're not doing too bad. I mean, they were due to play Oslo in, uh, well, it'd be the day that this comes out. They were due to play Oslo. Obviously, that's not happening due to uh, the current world situation. But, you know, Oslo that's is... That's the venue, not the town. <laughs> Sorry, yes, yeah. The, the venue Oslo in London, which I think uh, is about 600 capacity. So it's not, not terrible. It's pretty good. I have mm. no idea how well it was selling or anything like that. But, you know... Uh, yeah, it's not 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 bad at all. Um, but uh, I mean, have they been played on Six Music? I I 
that that's actually a genuine question i don't i don't know you know I have no idea i wouldn't have thought so <laughs> no i wouldn't have thought so yeah i wouldn't have thought so but you know with a massive thing with this podcast if people haven't got the idea yet is we like to champion stuff which is actually genuinely different and genuinely does something a little bit weird and a little bit out there and stuff that um a lot of people will cover in quite an arbitrary way because it's difficult to cover you know um the sugar horses of this world that we went absolutely mad about last week um you know birthmarks to a degree um like these really small bands who are like significantly better than a lot of the stuff that the press will tend to go to and tend to cover because it's easier um and elephant tree is just Mm. another wonderful example of that yeah i agree this is a very very accomplished record and have done something um quite phenomenal with it i think i mean i am sitting here i I was i posed that question myself as i listened to it last night i was like i cannot remember I heard a Torsh album about 2011 that I thought was really, really good. And they brought a kind of sunshine, a kind of almost like uh, kind of San Francisco pop element to um, Stoner for a bit. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, Torsh are Um, fantastic. When when uh, they're good, they're fantastic. When they're good, yeah. Um, Is it better than this? I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. I think it's a really interesting question you've posed. I am not quite prepared to put my stamp on on no, is it the best. <laughs> I, I'm not quite there, but undoubtedly a contender. Other other contenders, I would say. I think Paul Bearer have done extraordinarily well. Yeah. Like Heartless, maybe. Yeah. Um, Law by Elder. We're going to be discussing Elder in a little bit, but their third album, Law, I think is a contender um if if you would call that st- i mean it's certainly stone a psychedelic well we'll talk about um, yeah, 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 yeah. a little bit yeah, yeah sure yeah, yeah, yeah okay uh but um, anyway look it's fucking great oh it's fucking incredible yeah fucking yeah, incredible really really good so that is habits by elephant tree and that is out now the next album we're going to cover actually came out last week it is fetch the bolt cutters by fiona apple the fifth studio album from the u.s singer songwriter of some note uh the first since 2012 is the ida will although i've not actually heard that in fact the only album of Fiona Apple's I've ever heard was her debut album, Tidal, in 1996, which, as we've discussed, was a bloody good year. Um, as I said, this came out last week. and We didn't really get a chance to cover it, but unlike The Strokes, which is pretty good, um, since somebody asked, uh, we felt like we needed to do this because the critical reception to this record has been fucking mad. It has got 100 out of 100 from 20 reviews on Metacritic. It's the first perfect score on Pitchfork since Kanye West's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy in 2010. It's basically become uh, the critical darling of 2020, I would say. Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. I mean, this is an album which we already know, based on the response, is going to be in a whole a whole slew of album of the year um lists come the end of the year um as you mentioned i mean the 100 out of 100 metacritic score to put that in perspective i don't remember the last time an album not only uh, an album of original material i should say because reissues get 100 out of 100 on metacritic fairly often um but uh, an album of original new material getting 100 out of 100 and staying 
there. I remember Ghostine by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Was that I was going to say Ghostine, yeah, yeah. But it, but it went but it went down after a few days because a few more reviews came out, which you know didn't like it as much idiots um you know <laughs> I was um, gonna say, they shouldn't be allowed to review it though should they <laughs> well there's a lot of people who review music who shouldn't be allowed to review it um you know uh glide magazine the line of best fit the new york times the av club consequences sound the guardian exclaim pitchfork the telegraph and the independent all gave it full marks uh according to their own scoring systems so yes this album um from a critical standpoint alone, and I imagine after people wanging on about it loads and loads and loads and loads and loads, is going to be one of the biggest records of 2020. And um, it's a fascinating record. So we thought we would talk about it. Mm. It's actually got uh, Cara Delevingne, the super It does, model, yeah. yeah, is, it does, uh, yeah. does backing vocals on it. She she of the prominent eyebrows, I believe. <laughs> She's got quite famous eyebrows. She of the prominent eyebrows. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. She's got quite famous eyebrows, Cara Delevingne. Is that right? Oh, no, my girlfriend's into fashion. Let me just ask her. Darling, is Cara Delevingne famous for having big eyebrows? Cara Delevingne. Yeah. Yeah, she is. <laughs> that, that was such a... You know, probably wasn't picked up on uh, the mic, but that was such a definitive... Yeah. It's just, yeah. just wonderful. Yeah, yeah, of course she is. Cool. Uh, okay, yeah, sweet. Awesome. Anyway, I know, I, mean, I know, I, who, I know who Cara Devine is. She's a model turned actress, isn't she? Uh, yeah. Actor, yeah, uh, and re- like relatively good actor. Apparently, I can't. I don't I've know if I've seen, seen her in anything. anything. She yeah. was in. Uh, she was in. I mean, I don't want this whole review to be about Cara no, Devine, no, but, no, I, no. but she was in. Um, uh, what's that fucking Suicide Squad? She was in. Oh right, uh, and that is a bad film. Yes, yeah, so that's a film that I'm never a, going to watch because life's short. Any superhero film, it's a bad film. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, there's plenty of superhero films that I like. I just don't want to see uh, Super- Suicide Squad, Guardians no. of the Galaxy, mate. Brilliant. Is film. that a superhero film? Well, it's a Marvel film, so is that a yeah. superhero film? It's a sci-fi film. Uh, well, Who's a superhero? Where's the superhero in that? Uh, well, okay. I mean, I mean, definitely, definitely, Hi. we're, be, we're it's quite a good film, some... yeah. <laughs> yeah, fucking now. Fucking Tim um, Burton's Batman. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, but that's from the past. That's good. The stuff right. from the past is good. Every every Christopher Nolan Batman film. Yeah, they're the only ones. <sighs> Superman um, one and two is good. Superman one and two is good, <laughs> and Christopher Nolan Batman's good. And what else? Uh, and the first two Tim Burton Batman films are good, but none of them are as good as Frost Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking babies. Uh, the Frost Nixon's fine. <laughs> it's, it's Fuck quite, off, Frost Nixon's That's awesome. all right. It's all right, yeah. yeah. It's brilliant. It's, you anyway. know, it's good. I mean, how you compare Frost Nixon and, say, I don't know, the Avengers, I don't know, but yeah, sure. Well, sure. one's really good and one's really boring. <laughs> <laughs> there the you popu- go. Stephen Hill, the popular choice as always. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, shall we talk about Fiona Apple? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I watched Shazam the other day, and that's all right. Um, uh, and Kickass. <laughs> that's good. Uh, Kickass one. Okay. Um, Fetch the Bolt Cutters by piano. Uh, by piano. By piano. <laughs> <laughs> that's another superhero. Oh, sorry. Um, Fiona Apple. Fucking hell, what's going on there? Um, we just needed some some chill out time, didn't we? I feel like we've not given this album, like it's a critical darling. No, we yeah. should be being more serious to it. Um, this is really very good. 
The mm. first two tracks had my jaw on the floor. Jazzy drum parts, honky tonk piano, her voice, her vo- the fucking anger in her voice. Now, Renfrey, I'm going to go straight away into a place which the only sort of conversation we've really had about this record. And you said at points you felt like this album would be too twee for me. Now, I'm I, fe- say- I feared it might be. Uh, yeah, It is not. And I'll tell you why it's not, because it's too angry. There's too much rage. Uh, there's uh, too much spite. Um, there's too much disdain for it to ever get twee. I like this record. I like how fucking pissed off she sounds. Yeah. It's possibly the angriest record. We're doing four metal records this week and this. And this is probably the angriest record of the week. It's also probably the only record that actually has something to say as well. Um, uh it's yes i think um overall i think this is clearly a very good uh well written and very individualistic album as well um funnily enough like when we're talking about identity and so on and so forth and stuff like that you know comparing trivium and fiona apple um i mean it's laughable really but um i think the well i think actually fiona apple has um definitely takes bits of uh Alanis Morissette, Tori Amos, Joni uh, Mitchell, Alanis, yeah, Tori Amos, yeah, Kate yeah, Bush. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, she yeah. takes so, from you know. she takes from such a wide pool that she ends yes. up having her own distinct voice and her own distinct manner um, about. I mean, at times she sounds like Joni Mitchell, and at sounds mm-hmm. she sounds like. Um, she has the flow and rhythm of um, Ice T, a rapper. A rapper, yeah. yeah at points, you know, not Ice T though. Okay, well, not iced tea, but you know, like like <laughs> a really, really distinct, um, like some some of her her flow and and rhymes in on this record are absolutely amazing, and it's backed mm. up with absolutely phenomenal musicianship, a really baroque sense of, um, I mean, th- there's one song called "Under the Table." which quite wow, yeah. brilliantly so great. narrates um, her frustrations at being just sort of silenced at a dinner, I guess. Yeah. Um, I told you I don't want to go to this dinner. Kick me under the table or you won't. I won't shut up. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just, it's just wonderful. And um, the percussion, the rhythms on this record, full stop, are just wonderful. Yeah. I mean, uh, Newspaper is a five and a half minute song driven almost entirely by percussion and voice. And the fact that it works is astonishing in and of itself. But the fact that it's really good is even more astonishing. You know, mm. uh, Ladies uh, adopts this yeah. amazing Men- kind of Motown vibe, um, yeah. whilst also channy- channeling a little bit of that kind of Beyonce, all the single ladies style sass as well. Is sass the right word? Oh, but, sass sounds but, negative, but you know what I mean. But drunk. But drunk, yeah, 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 but yeah, like absolutely. She sounds, in the nicest possible way, she sounds drunk on it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm sure that's a deliberate thing as well. Um, yes. One act you haven't mentioned who this massively reminds me of, particularly on the title track, Fetch the Bolt Cutters, um, Hide the Kitchen Knives by The Paper Chase. Oh, the, yes. The, rhythm, the rhythms and the way the rhythms are created with barking dogs hand claps dropped implements mm-hmm. um i think they do use scissors in the same way as the paper chase use scissors mm-hmm. uh you know bits of metal scraping together keys being kind of kind of fallen upon yeah. um 
you know kind of almost broken drums and i mean that in not so much the in a you know dj shadow kind of way but in a drum kit's broken up and like four different people playing four different rhythms on four different parts of one kit at the same time is kind of what it sounds like i'm not sure if that's how it was recorded but it, it certainly feels like the drums are coming at you from different personalities and different parts of the kit from different areas of the space if you like mm -hmm. uh and it's, it's got a sort of binaural feel to it you know yeah in, in yeah, that, yeah in that you can sort of um uh feel in the room where things were recorded yeah yeah mm. absolutely stabbing strings like on um mm -hmm. i go on which is uh, on i go sorry which is the the last song yeah um I think this is really great. I think this is absolutely deserving of all the praise for me. Uh, I almost agree with that. Um, I Before I go into my um, criticisms, I would like to point out for me what I think is the best song on the record, um, which is for her, um, which I have to say the first time, maybe even the first couple of times I listened to this record, it completely passed me by. The first couple of times I just sort of had it on the background. I tend to, when I listen, review records, I tend to like put them on in the background to begin with and do other things to them. And then as I listen third, fourth, fifth time, I'll actually sit down and actually just listen to them. Um, and for her is so sort of musically jaunty um, that I completely didn't pick up on the lyrical content of it at all it musically um and you might bulk at this but musically it's not a million miles away from something like pharrell williams is happy um it's a much much better yeah. song than happy by pharrell williams but just as, in terms as is every song <laughs> well every song ever <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. um uh, apart from that old bloke who's number one at the moment to give him a another shout out like michael ball and that old bloke walking around his garden their song is worse their, is it um, only song. what about puddle of mud's cover of about a girl uh no that's that's better than what's now that's definitely better than the old bloke walking around the garden <laughs> going oh god oh god it's like yeah 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 okay mate thanks for your money well done but you're not a pop star um I think the genius of for her comes um, with, so it's a very, very happy, jaunty song on the surface. Um, the key lyric for me is, well, good morning, good morning. You rate me in the same bed your daughter was born in, um, yes. which has the same effect on me as Lingua Ignota, uh, who we discussed last um, year and her album yeah. Caligula, just in terms of the, um, I mean, when I finally actually noticed that lyric, when I was properly actually paying attention, um, I, it just stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, whoa, this is clearly, um, uh, more palatable than the majority of, um, Caligula, um, mm. the Lingua Ignota record. But I think the sort of genius of this song is this is, it's basically a song about, um, domestic rape and domestic rape being sort of, yeah rape that you don't necessarily realize is rape at the time um raped by raped by a loved one um and it, it it's a i think the song sort of whether it did it whether it does this on purpose or or not i don't know um i i'd like to give her the credit and and believe that she 
she did have this idea the whole time. I, I, I couldn't say either way, but the music mirrors the subject matter um, because it's sort of, uh, there's so, there's a lot of domestic um, abuse cases where um, mainly women, I mean, it does happen with men as well, but mainly women sort of don't, don't realize that they're in an abusive relationship until they look back at that scenario several years later yeah. and the fact mm -hmm. that this song is so happy and jolly and you don't sort of necessarily um see that side of it unless you really really unless you actually pay attention unless you actually focus on it i think that is genius whether by design mm. or, or or not i think it's genius it's it's what I often call a kind of Trojan horse mm, for the song mm, yeah, where absolutely. it kind of, you could probably get away with playing it on the radio if people weren't really paying attention. Totally. Yeah, you totally could. And and there'd be so many people who'd be like, oh, what a lovely, jolly, happy song. And, you know, yeah. it really isn't. Um, I want, I, mean, I, 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 I want, I mean, sorry, I know you're about to well, kind of talk okay. about your, but, but um, I wish pop all pop music in the modern era was like this yeah i mean i i i wish it was yeah. i hear too much pop music now i hear too many kind of songs that come on tv or on radio or whatever that just do very 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 little and i just wish that everybody could be there was a time where stuff like this i mean this is critically lauded but will it cross over to people probably not i think pop music is really good when it's weird like this um and it proves that it has got kind of genuine artistry in it um and it's a shame that more people don't uh listen to stuff like this i'm sure it'll be successful but i'm sure it'll be people like you and i who are going to be listening to it rather than the kind of people that i wish were listening to it but that's kind of all i have left to say about the record i mean so to be, what are your criticisms to be to be fair you know Fiona Apple's a pretty big artist. It's it's not she it's is. not like she's she's, she's not going to go on Ant and Dex Saturday Night Takeaway though, is she? No, no, no. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I think that would be a disservice to her, to be honest, to go on Ant and Dex. I mean, I I appreciate that it has a massive audience, but you know, I I kind of would with the best in in meaning this in the nicest way. I sort of wouldn't want to see her on Ant and Dex Saturday Night Takeaway. Do you know what I mean? Um, well, no, neither would I. But I'm just saying. Yeah, you know, I, understand, like, I understand. It would be saying. nice that a world existed where, you know, um, this was appreciated on mass as opposed yeah. to you know, just by yeah. just by fucking legends. A, like a us. lot of people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so my uh, the my issue. And even saying issue sounds a little bit OTT, but um, the the problem I have with the record sometimes is um, very personal in a sense. In, in in terms of taste, there are elements of it that I personally find really irritating, um, and okay. it is the offbeat tweet. You you did mention Twee before, and I did bring up Twee when we were talking about it privately. Twee isn't quite the right word really um it's the offbeat oddities that sometimes happen it's almost always exclusively at the end of songs um that at best add absolutely nothing to the songs and at worst actually ruin the goodwill that has been built up throughout the song for me um when i first put on i want you to love me which is the first song 
of the album, I was like, oh. Are you? <laughs> I was like, awesome. Here we go. This is this is really good. The piano playing is astonishing. She's a phenomenal pianist, uh, Fiona mm. Apple. Um, you know, I was like, oh, wow. Because uh, I, I I not really listened to Fiona Apple before this record as well. I knew who she was and I was aware of her, but I'd not really heard her. So I was like, wow, maybe this might be my favorite new singer songwriter artist type. Person. And then wow. she goes, ah! and then she goes ah! at the at the end of for the last like thirty seconds. I was like, why the fuck did you ruin that? Like, I, and like, am I being am I being over the top with it? Um, well, it depends how much that sort of stuff irritates you. And fuck me, it annoys me. Um, really? Yeah, okay. I think you did actually kind of mention it beforehand and I kept quiet for a bit, but on uh, Fetch the Bolt Cutters, she does use um, some dogs as kind of backing vocals, which, you know, for a bit, which is really smart and good. Um, but towards the end of the song, it just sort of, rather than ending, it just sort of, the song collapses and then a bunch of dogs start barking. And I'm like, is that really the best way you could have chosen to end that song? And, you know, it probably comes down to taste uh, at the end of the day. I think a very, very, very similar um, comparison would be, do you remember I brought Divers by Joanna Newsom in for trade-off yes, yes. um, yeah. a few months ago? Uh, I think there's a lot of comparisons, really. I wouldn't say that they're the same artists at all, but that certainly in the offbeat, weird ex eccentricities kind of way. Joanna Newsom's offbeat eccentricities, I like and I can get behind, but it, it really irritated you, didn't, didn't it? You found it really difficult. Yeah, to I mean, that to me, that was a bit jaunty and a bit twee, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't really go for that, whereas... This seems like a deliberately antagonistic attempt to make you go, ugh, which I quite like. But my point is, is it's going to be down to taste. Yeah, so of whilst I cannot stand those bits and I really wish they weren't on the record, I can't exactly turn around and go, well, those bits are bad and they shouldn't be there. I mean, that is my personal feeling, but I don't think it would be very professional of me to say that. But for me personally i can't i can't talk about this record without mentioning them because if if it probably this is a how long is this record 51 minutes and 49 seconds it probably amounts to three to four minutes of music in total the bits that i find really irksome and irritating but i find them so irritating it really leaves a sour taste in my mouth to the point where i'm actually quite tempted to cut those bits off the songs and have my own version of this record i really fucking hate them um wow i'm hoping i i'm i'm absolutely going to continue to listen to this record because there's so much on it that is fucking excellent mm. um and i'm hoping yeah. that the more i listen to it that i'll just either learn to to put up with those irritations uh and they are you know they are quite minor um but i think it's worth mentioning because when the rest of the record is so wonderful and i get so much enjoyment out of it and it's so brilliantly put together for me it is a massive massive source of irritation but i do appreciate that's not going to be the case with everyone so interesting so there you go um not quite a 100 out of 100 from remfrey i don't know if i'd give it 100 out of 100 but this I'd is one of the 90 i'd give it 98 it's bloody it, good this it is it is really weird that uh, like it's not weird that it's done so well i think it deserves to and i'm very very happy that it is i mean you know you said pitch the last 
record to get um, uh, 10 out of 10 on Pitchfork was Kanye West. And well, yeah. people know my feelings on that fucking idiot. Um, but, you know, uh, I... They do now, anyway. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, and it certainly deserved... But it's a weird record... To, to score i mean i think you know we we don't tend to score records anyway because it's a pretty arbitrary silly thing to do i think anyway but i i putting a score on this record feels totally wrong but Mm. you know quite often the records where it feels wrong to put a score on them are the best ones so yeah i really like it that's all i'm gonna say i think i think it's it's very very good yeah and i I feel like i'll get more and more out of it if i come back to come back to me in six months and i'll probably have a lot more to say about it um but we have quite a lot to say about it at the moment so you know all good that's fetch the bolt cutters by fiona apple they you've probably heard that if you're interested in that if you didn't realize you're interested in it uh you are interested in it because (laughs) you like good music so go and listen to it uh let's move on to our next album it comes from people do love being told how they feel about things yeah you do you like it you like it uh <laughs> the next album comes from elder uh it's called omens uh the follow-up to the 2017 masterpiece reflections of a floating world from the bostonite prog metal band i guess pro- prog band I, I suppose um this is uh their fifth record um and you mentioned having seen them at roadburn or not is that did i make that up uh no i think you did make that up i don't think i've okay. seen elder i saw i saw paul bearer um roadburn which is which you might be mixing up i okay you cons- said you really liked one of their records law 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 their, thir- their third it, album yes. law uh is a fucking excellent record um i really mm. really really like reflections on a, of a floating world as well um incidentally law was recently voted the best album of the decade by stoner doom blog the obelisk the obelisk oh, right. the so, obelisk so yeah okay so they'd have some chat with us about elephant tree then quite possibly but to be fair the mm. obelisk probably hadn't heard um elephant tree when they uh when they made that list because it's the album no, no, the I best just... album of the last decade but yeah 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 i know that i'm just saying that they might now be able to give us some other things for i see where elephant tree sits i wasn't calling them out and go oi wankers <laughs> don't say that say that this album that didn't come out in that decade that you haven't heard yet was the best one (laughs) idiots Uh, anyway misunderstood uh rolling stone also um gave reflections of a floating world uh they said it was the fifth best record uh metal record sorry of 2017 um it's a bit funny calling them a metal band and a stoner band uh at at this point especially when listening to omens i think it um i don't think omens is a metal record but no. law law certainly is and reflections of a floating world is kind of the midway point between yes. the two yes so yeah yes. yeah 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 um this uh i mean as you know i i've only listened to law in after listening to reflections of a floating world which i really liked which had which felt like a proper kind of prog rock record i thought mm. a kind of heavy touch touch of the stoner stuff but a heavy prog sort of prog rock record um this has definitely got more of the same kind of long spacey jam feel about it mm-hmm. which i really liked on the last record but it feels like there's less well there's less bleed in the guitars and i think there's a big dollop more melody and a very specific type of melody as well i almost want to characterize this as prog indie oh okay Mm, okay do you want to say why because i'm not quite there because um 
I think all the elements of progressive rock are there, uh, but it's it's got that um, kind of Americana. When I say indie, obviously I don't mean you know cast. Mm-hmm. I mean <laughs> you know kind of uh, REM or okay. even Sonic or even Sonic Youth. Oh, okay. Um, oh yeah. Okay. And, okay. And, and and stuff like that. I think it's got much more of a um, a touch more of a sort of art house feel to it. You know, mm-hmm. kind of art rock feel to it which you could call indie i guess but um yeah, but that's what i mean i see um, i see it's got you know a bit of um a bit of kind of shoegaziness to it as well yep which yep. i think is cool i think what i picked up from it i think it's unashamedly 70s in its approach um and mm. i i think that's wonderful um I mean, the the band technically formed before the resurgence of vinyl, but in terms of quote unquote new bands, say Elder are a new band. I think they've been going about fifteen years. But to call in terms of new bands, they feel like the perfect band for the vinyl revival. Um, so many records that come out, you know, like I don't know, I fucking adore the Dillinger Escape Plan, as do you, but do i really need is is i works going to sound better on vinyl than it is no, on not. cd absolutely mm. not it's not but people this, who buy significant other on vinyl are yeah, fucking idiots absolute joke but this is gonna sound fucking beautiful on vinyl it's so inviting and warm and sumptuous um the distortion sounds like it sounds like a it feels like a bed it feels like a bed made of feathers that you could relax on. It's it's lovely. The distortion sound on this record is so lovely. It's wonderful. Um, it's definitely, yes, I definitely agree. It's less heavy than the band's previous records, um, particularly if you go back a couple of records, Law and um, I can't remember the name of their second one. Their first one's self-titled. But the aesthetic certainly feels perfectly suited for vinyl i think it's fair to say yeah um, yeah it, uh, it 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 definitely i think yeah that kind of for me it is a really cool mixture between sort of 70s prog rock hmm. tiny 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 little bit of i don't even really want to call it stoner i'm going to call it kind of 70s hard rock in fact actually. yeah kind of progressive fair. rock 70s hard rock and um kind of pre-mainstream american indie music mm, mm. uh because i think the vocal lines are um like the kind of the the jangly there's a bit there's a song called halicyon which mm. is great and it's got that kind of jangly bit and when the riff comes in it's glorious and vocally it's got this kind of saw it just kind of takes off when all the riffs and the vocals come in and it's it's fucking brilliant yeah it's absolutely fucking brilliant um halicyon is the longest song on the record and Mm. it's five and a half minutes before any vocals um come in on that song uh which obviously is a bit of me um but i think it's a real testament to this band and the album as a whole we're talking five songs a little shy of 57 minutes the shortest song on this record is nine minutes and something nine minutes 37 Mm. seconds long uh, in lesser hands this album would disappear so far up its own ass like it should on paper this album should be quite boring um but i think it's really you know and i moan about records being too long all the time and i think it's a real testament to it that i don't think it ever it doesn't ever lose me in its 57 minute 
you know journey for want of a better word it it, it never mm. loses me i think it's and and it, it it's right on that balance of you know it, it kind of should do but it doesn't yeah 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 um i'm not sure i love it as much as i loved the last record but i think i love this record it's mm. taken me a little while because i was a bit at first i was like huh, they've lost a bit of the kind of grit yeah yeah, yeah definitely yeah. they lost yeah. a bit of the heaviness and i was like ah oh, it feels a little bit less it, i mean that's why it feels a little bit more kind of i guess rock than metal if you mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. um but having listened to it sort of seven eight nine times now mm. i've got to the point where i know where all the kind of the like you said the kind of the blanket you you when the duvet gets wrapped around your shoulders mm-hmm. when you wait for that bit and it comes and it does sound you know like the warmth of this record and it jangles really it, it kind of it's got a jangliness Mm-hmm. that i don't know if that's right, a correct word but it's got a jangliness that i do kind of associate with like indie music yeah and, there's, there's a clean pitch guitar part at the beginning of um one light retreating which i definitely yeah. it's just yeah beautiful. definitely yeah 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 it's yeah, yeah. kind of um yeah like i say early rem bit of sonic yes. music, like that kind of yes. thing and yes. i i've again you know like you don't usually hear those kind of things mixed with a big guitar riff or a very very long um progressive song mm, so mm, mm. it's again bringing something just a little bit it's not a huge kind of deviation really but it's definitely a slightly different flavor um i think will i like it more than the last one probably not to be fair but i think it's doing something different um and doing it really really well i mean i i do really like this i don't know how you feel about it i think it's do you actually like it but I, I really like it. I really like it. I really, really like it. And again, I agree with you. The first time I heard it, I was pretty underwhelmed. Um, it just sort of all washed over me a little bit again. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'd like I was like, oh, I've kind of lost that grit that they had on the last few records and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, uh, I'm not there yet, but with time, I may well end up preferring it to Reflections of a Floating World, if I'm totally honest. And yeah. I think part of the reason for that is um, the sheer abundance of the synth effects that they've brought onto this record. Another thing, like this record um, has uh, dances a remarkable line between using loads of retro 70s synthy style things without ever sounding like a retro record you know those yes it does isn't it yeah you know those bands that we bemoan quite often from well from time to time like rival sons and stuff like that um greta van fleet to to a degree i mean you know i prefer i like greta van fleet more than you do but i will be the first to admit that they are just they they sound like they someone's dug them up from the end of the 60s the beginning of the 70s more or less um they sound retro as fuck is my point this elder have so many retro warm band in a room all playing together elements without and and yet sound somehow fresh and i'm not sure what voodoo they've um they've you know put on me to make me feel like that because again on paper this should sound as retro and as throwback as any rival sons record or any greta van fleet record and yet it doesn't you know and yet it doesn't it sounds it does sound fresh um and yeah totally in terms of i mean it's really growing on me and it continues to grow on me 
Uh, and I, I mm. really, really like it. I think it's really good. Yeah. Gets better with every listen. Um, they are a great band. They are a yeah. great band. If you haven't checked them out before, you've got three now fucking wicked records to go and check yeah. out, all of which sound really different, all of which are kind of um, uh, a continuation and a build and a, a slightly different flavour to, again, a thing which, you know, we've traditionally, as as we mentioned earlier with Elephant Tree, like I don't think, El- to me, Elder are not really in the same ballpark totally as those bands but i guess they're not a million billion but certainly not a million miles away um and they are doing something which to me is way more interesting and have changed over those three records quite significantly so that is omens by elder and i really do think again you should go and check it out the last album we're going to talk about this week is from catatonia city burials is the name of the album it's a follow-up to 2016's the fall of hearts from this uh legendary swedish doom stroke prog metal band this is uh the 11th effort uh and i was a little bit worried as we were going into this one because i've basically spent the entire show this week and i do stand by it i fucking love all four records that have come out this week and all of their own different little ways um and for all their own different little moods that they've given me i really really think I'll be listening to all four of these records come the end of 2020 or this time next year. Uh, Whereas City Burials, as someone who doesn't really and hasn't really ever gotten into Catatonia, I did think I'm not going to have a lot to say about this. It kind of felt a little bit like the odd one out for me this week. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Catatonia, how about you? What's your relationship with them? Um, I have picked um, uh, bits and pieces through their back catalogue and um, generally I like them. They are contemporaries of bands like uh, My Dying Bride, Paradise Lost, um, Opeth to a degree. I quite like Catatonia, um, just like I quite like Paradise Lost. Um, I quite like My Dying Bride. Uh, Anathema are probably another one that you can throw in there, although I like Anathema an awful lot. Um, I like Opeth an awful lot as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Catadonia have done some very good records Um, Dead End Kings is one that I would point people to if you're not familiar yeah a lot of people went crazy for that yeah yeah going crazy for it it's maybe a bit OTT but it's a damn good record it's you know very good if you like that kind of thing that kind of K-Scope thing is what I'd say K-Scope is a label that tends to release shit loads of this stuff Um, and Stephen Wilson Stephen Wilson Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah that kind of thing um and yes i like catatonia um interestingly uh many of catatonia's contemporaries are releasing records this year we've already had a record by my dying bride which um certainly um uh pleasantly surprised me not knowing awful an awful lot about my dying bride beforehand i think you quite liked it as well I didn't mind it. Yeah, I yeah, it was quite yeah, good. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah. I think I prefer um, this just to kind of cut to the chase. Ah, I, think I do actually prefer this. I yeah. prefer my dying bride personally, but okay. yes, I, I um, think I know why as well. Okay, uh, Paradise Lost have a new album coming out in three weeks' time called Obsidian. Um, I don't know for a fact if Anathema are releasing a record this year or not, but we're probably due one uh, because it's been three years since um, the Optimist. I think. Yes, it has, 2017. So, you know, uh, yeah, there's a lot of this kind of thing coming out at the moment. By this kind of thing, I we mean... Had a, we, had a, we had an Opeth album towards the end of last year as well, yeah, didn't we? Yeah, so, yeah. By this kind of comes. thing, I generally mean um, bands who used to be doomy or death metal-y and have since 
kind of gone into prog rock effectively and there there is a small pool of those bands and i've pretty much just named them all really but they all seem to be releasing records at the moment uh interestingly yeah uh yeah i mean as i said i it's the only one this week which i feel like i don't love um mm. because i don't know so much about catatonia i don't have a very strong relationship with them i really like the start of behind the blood it's got a kind yes. of instant for them it's kind of big crushing riff and a really lovely lead part but i think yes. what i like about it uh is that kind of it's got a cool goth synth thing a bit of a kind of um synth not synths uh kind of a bit of 90s paradise lost particularly on the winter of our passing is where it kind of comes in and it does sound super kind of gothy and industrial and a bit 80s and i was like oh okay and that's where my ears pricked up and they do kind of follow that on and they do kind of carry on that um for a fair bit of the record and when they're doing that i i, I do really like this quite a lot um there's yes. you've picked out two, you've picked so out two of, of my you've picked out two of my favorite songs as well just immediately with uh behind yeah. the blood and the winter of our passing yeah absolutely yeah really both really really good um i can't sit here and say i love this record like i love all the other records this week but i think it's absolutely a good record Mm. it's a it's a weird one because i've listened to it now a, a, a fair few times i don't know how many exactly but at least half a dozen and i keep listening to it and wanting it to latch on to me more than it is um I, I don't think it's a bad record at all but for some reason it's not getting its hooks into me um in the manner that i believe it should be um yeah there's a song called Lacquer, which att attempts to incorporate some sort of electronic elements into the band's sound. And, and, you know, it's not entirely unsuccessful at all. I think it's actually quite well accomplished. But when I compare it to another one of their contemporaries, Anathema, as I've already mentioned, they did an album called Distant Satellites a few years back where they incorporated some electronica stuff into mm. theirs. And that was, you know, I couldn't help but be reminded of that. And I think it's far more, I think Distant Satellites is far more successful. It did that whole sort of electronic wob wob thing mixed with heartfelt prog rock really 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 well interestingly mm. um i wondered if this record might have caught my attention more if it had been sequenced in a better fashion um not that it's been sequenced badly per se but there's uh, effectively and this is i'm simplifying it ever so slightly but but in the main it's fast rocky song then um quieter less rocky song then fast song slow song first song slow song i mean that is broad yeah, it is, isn't it? it broadly mm. it is and i think i was listening to the quieter songs and i was like well i don't dislike the quiet songs but for some reason every time a quiet song comes in i feel like it puts a big full stop and, a, and it halts the record and now on paper, it does make sense to sequence an album by having fast song, slow song, fast song, slow song. That does totally make sense. I actually think this record might have been more successful if they'd done some out of the box sequencing and maybe either had all the fast songs together and then the slowly sort of uh, the, the album sort of slowly becomes slower and slower as it goes on or the total opposite of that. Start with all the slow songs and make it get faster and faster and faster as it goes on. That is definitely an unusual that would have been an unusual tack to take with it but i think the i think this constant toing and froing between the faster songs and the slower songs just doesn't quite work for some reason it i it, it just stops me 
loving the record um when when i you know when i don't think there's anything wrong with it necessarily um mm. It, it, you just get into a you just get into a pattern on it, don't you? You kind yeah. of feel like you know what's coming. You kind of yeah. feel like you know what's coming. You kind of feel like you've got a handle on the pace and the vibe and the feel of the record throughout. And I think probably one thing that I think all of the other records that we were talking about this week have shared is that you don't necessarily know what's just around the corner for most of them, for the majority of the time. Um, and yeah, I do feel like I knew what was going on i kind of felt like where we were going i felt like i was aware of where we were going throughout the entire record and again it doesn't necessarily make it bad i do mm. think it's um it feels like a little bit of an undertaking to sit through it all in one sitting as well you know mm. and that is probably because of the lack of dynamic range within it but you know it's you see i I don't know Decent if I songs on it. I don't know if I'd say that because I think the dynamic range is huge. I mean, the dynamic range is undoubtedly bigger than the. You just said record, fast one, slow one, fast one, slow one. No, but the dynamics. You literally just. But the, the dynamics. That the, is the dynamics. Fast one, slow one, no, fast no, one, no, slow no, one. That's no. exactly it, what I'm talking the about. The fact that you have a fast one and then a slow one—that is the dynamic range, isn't it? You know, the, yeah. the, they are broader. That that isn't really to do with dynamics. That's to do with actually where you put each of those songs. But if you take the the um softest part of this album and the heaviest part of this album it's very very dynamic but it just does it it presents those dynamics to you in a way that uh, once you tune into the record becomes very predictable yeah i mean it's it's all i think it's pretty good like i do think it's pretty good i just don't think it's like i i wonder how often i i don't know that i'd come back to the entire record odd songs here and there i might come back to but the entire record probably not but then i'm not a massive fan of theirs anyway so i don't have a lot of um kind of uh there's not a lot of i, I haven't put a lot of in oh great it's a new catatonia i don't mm. really feel that um, i would so, say as someone know. i don't would i go as far as to say i'm a fan i mean i, I do really like um elements of moments of their career i really you know dead end kings as i mentioned before i think viva emptiness is a really good record as well um i I listening to this record, I know Catatonia are capable of better, of 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 doing much better personally, and as a result, I you know it's 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 good. It's a it's a good record, but it it doesn't doesn't blow me away if I'm totally honest. Yeah, fair enough. All right, well there you go. That is Catatonia's City Burials that is out now. I'll tell you somebody who definitely can't do any better. Viva Brother. Let's move <laughs> on to Broken Records. Uh, this week, um, we have we are talking about the the debut album, Famous First Words by Viva Brother, uh, released on Geffen on the 1st of August 2011. As I said, it is the first album by the Slough-based rock band, and until they reformed in 2017, it was the only album of their mercifully brief career. Oh, um, God, yeah. This actually came out the year before The Enemy's Streets in the Sky, which is also on our list um are we sort of to surmise from that fact that by the start of the last decade the world uh, really had had enough of this indie shite uh i i think so would that be fair to say renfrey um i definitely think the world had uh, but there was that there was a sort of attempt at a brief resurgence i think it's fair to say um around that time uh viva brother were one of the bands that were doing that um, I think I think sort of blur reforming 
kind of might have sparked yeah. that off and stuff like that as well. I mean, it was massively unsuccessful and thank fuck it was unsuccessful um based on the records that we've heard from that period so far um uh but yeah i think there was there was the beginnings of a certain well i don't want to call it a resurgence because it was an absolute waste of everyone's time um but but i think that people were trying to um resurge the vaccines the vaccines yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, hey guys check out the vaccines um well yeah we'll talk about all this i mean to me right viva brother never stood a fucking chance uh they let's go into them they were originally called brother great name guys brother <laughs> what should you call our band i've got a brother let's call them brother uh they actually had to change their name to viva brother because there is an australian didgeridoo band of the same name brother uh, uh so who were there first so they had to change their name from brother to viva brother very quickly on that i i think it's absolutely amazing that anyone would care enough to try and keep the rights to such a pathetically shit name like yeah. why because yeah. because yeah this other band brother tried to like um uh brought a lawsuit against them uh, which is why they had to change mm. the names like why why do you care about retaining the name yeah. brother it's fucking it's like it's like trying to it's like trying to retain the name brick it's just fucking stupid like oh what Uh, imbeciles we're dealing with imbeciles we are um they describe themselves as grit pop and (sighs) i'm so angry already i'm so angry stuff the stuff you cover shit in uh (laughs) and (laughs) And named acts such as Blur, Oasis, and The Smiths as influence. Um, I've oh, never Icarus, felt so sorry how for Oasis. Thou... <laughs> 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 oh, Icarus, why doth you fly so close to the sun? Mm. Um, they were, I don't know if you know this, uh, Renfri, originally an emo band, because yes, that was cool at the time, mm. uh, but changed their set of influences uh, when one of the band members, Leonard Newell, uh, said that they were inspired by going to a London-based club night called We Love the 90s. Mm. I'm not, ma- I promise you, I'm not making this up. Imagine that. We're going to be in a band. And then you start going to a 90s club night and go, hold on a second. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> and look, I love, like, no one loves the 90s more than me, right? But can you imagine going like, let's go out for the night to some fucking sticky floored shithole full of twats, right? Getting a, a really expensive WK pint of fucking bottle of blue WKD. And hearing common people and country house <laughs> being played and seeing all these knobheads dancing to it. Well, I'm is, probably one of those knobheads as well. But this and is going, the kind of... I tell you what. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's change our band. But this is the kind of banal Fuck trite sense. that this band and bands of their ilk are inspired by. You know, it's it's so depressing Um, When we talk about creativity, I mean, using the word creativity when discussing this band feels like a massive abuse of the word creativity. You know, Um, we've got Zane Lowe to thank for this. Oh, unbelievable. Um, So their deal was signed after Zane Lowe, who surely, surely knew better than this. He fucking should do. Played the fucking, frankly, 
undescribably bad song the darling buds of may on radio one a demo of it as well which um, meant the band signed to geffen i was talking to one of my mates the other day and he told me a story about when he went to go and see the bloodhound gang at the electric ballroom in the late 90s and uh one of uh, our sort of mutual friends um who I don't really know anymore, but he was a bit of a knobhead back in the day. But apparently he threw a two litre bottle of Strongbow at Zane Lowe and it hit the wall and then went all over Zane Lowe and Zane Lowe went, you fucking idiots coming out of the gig. And I don't know why he did that. It sounds like a really wanker. And I was like, what a like wanker a, yeah. thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. But now having realized that Zane Lowe was responsible for Viva Brother, <laughs> um Maybe i kind of it. now go mm, yeah fair enough <laughs> yeah um anyway i mean getting records remfrey yes well uh the same label that signed guns and roses nirvana weezer aerosmith sonic youth i mean to be fair kevin have fallen from grace quite a lot since then um basically centering on absolutely awful pop and shitty uh, sort of uh, popular hip hop and R and B and all that sort of shit, but fuck me, what a ridiculous fall from grace that is to go from fucking yeah. Nirvana to this. Um, this is, it really ins- is insipid indie territory, isn't it? Like bands like the Rifles, well, the Pigeon Detectives, the View, the Twang, the Cribs, the fucking in- atrocious insipid bands that had a the prefix all the fucking time. Why yeah, didn't I mean, they call themselves the Viva on... Brother? I don't know, actually. Yeah, maybe <laughs> yeah. they should have done. Maybe they don't know how to spell the. Um, so after <laughs> signing the Geffen, they made their f- they made their first ever t- TV appearance on obviously Soccer AM. I know. And so, <laughs> so of course, of course, Soccer AM. You know, people who. There's one thing that struck me now. Football. I like football. I, I do. You know, people know I like football. I remember one of the the people from Kasay, the surge from Kasabian was like football and music. They go together so well, don't they? And I just thought, no, 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 they don't. People who like football, like absolutely stinking music, well, like stinking anything, any, yeah, yeah like Kasabian, yeah. And um, so anyway, so Famous First Words was released to a tirade of bad press. Um, as I said, it comes up when you type in worst albums ever, it's one of the ones that is in most lists that have been made in the last 10 years or so. It got one star in The Guardian. Um, Kitty Empire wrote a pretty good review for that. It says, mm. so, is not only is Viva Brother a bad name for a band executing a bad idea badly, Famous First Words is also a bad title for an album. Witness Darling Buds of May, an oasis brass rubbing whose chorus runs thus. Her birthday's in May. It is what it is. It is what it is. Or take New Year's Day, a song that attempts to graft the camp uwo-wo-wo start of a suede song onto a ditty constructed by random Gallagher tombola. <laughs> the Viva slapped on the beginning of their name is all wrong. Too redolent of a, ro- a rugged Spanish resistance romance for songwriters whose idea of a mordiant title is High Street Low Lives. There's one quite good line in Still Here, a passive-aggressive love song. At my funeral, they'll just bury my head in the sand. It all makes the vaccines the mildly successful great white guitar hopes of 2011 from the fringe and drain pipe side of the rock tracks look original ultimately famous first words sets the cause of resurgent rock back all a good 20 years um i love i love a brass rubbing of oasis i think that is on point absolutely yeah And, and to give you an idea again of how badly it was reviewed and how 
people almost kind of felt sorry for this. It's like Pitchfork. There's a guy called Harry Ashurst, Harry Ashurst from Pitchfork, who gave it a kind of an almost apologetic 2.9. Pitchfork <laughs> famously destroy things. Yeah. But yeah. This, it almost seems to feel sorry for Viva Brother. It says, look, it's easy to see why Viva Brother were given a shot at the big time. The dual allure of a Britpop revival and four arrogant young men with guitars must have been impossible for record execs to resist. But in execution, the whole thing comes off as nothing more than a thinly disguised, crass attempt to smoke late Oasis fans out of hiding. Unfortunately for them, <laughs> BDI already beat them to the punch. <laughs> Oh, fair play, Pitchfork. I don't often applaud them, yeah. but that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Still got five out of ten in the NME. <sighs> you know, presumably searching for old glory, trying Fucking to dig hell. up the old, the good old days. Let's get Viva Brother versus the, the you know, um, the enemy on the front cover. Get that trending. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, come on. Yeah. Give it up. Yeah. Um, um this is it's just banal and bland isn't it and and innocuous and vapid uh i mean oh, i think it's a bit worse than that actually renfrey do you? i okay. think it's a bit worse than that okay i think this is like it's like oasis and blur being played at the same time but yes without any of the charm or joy or decent choruses or anything kind of unique or uh, about them at all it's yeah. literally like those two bands worst song being played on two separate stereos at the same time yeah um yeah, yeah. it's a pathetic re- it's a pathetic record and the thing is right now i am almost a little bit i have become a little bit kind of that Britpop thing which at the time I fucking hated the majority of it. And I thought there's some great, you know, I always liked Blur. I always thought Pulp had some really interesting songs, you know, and we've spoken about how I felt about that kind of Britpop thing. I've got to the point 25 years later where if the lightning seeds come on, I go, oh, wow, the lightning seeds. Or if like, (laughs) you know, the slight return by the blue tones or Dodgy come on, I go, huh, huh, in a room by Dodgy. Remember that? Oh, I remember that. Oh, great. And it makes me feel young again, right? So I am a disgusting, embarrassing apologist for this stuff, right? And I hear it and I'm like, I've somehow got to the point where it's, I've got Spotify like playlists, like fucking day mixes. And it's all just crap from the fucking night like rubbish crap from this era right so i'm in really coming from me this is gonna sound pretty bad but how the fuck have you dared if you brought this out in 1995 you would be looked at like what are you doing you bandwagoneering bandwagon hopping cheap pathetic clones of Mm. what is popular right now to do it to do it in 2011 like you might as well be a barbershop quartet like what yeah. the fuck were you thinking it's yeah. never gonna work and not only is never gonna work i mean i think if definitely maybe had come out in 2011 people would have gone Ugh, at it they would have gone fuck off no not a chance like it was definitely if, obviously if, if definitely maybe had come out in 2011 it wouldn't have come out in 1994 and people would have gone 
oh, this is really good. Maybe it would have been a typical. But say that well, everything had happened. I know. I, th- I, I, think, I, think, I think it's fair to say that um, uh, part of Oasis's success is down to time and place. I think, um, of course, um, yeah. I, you know, I mean, you can argue that with everything, I suppose, that's successful, I suppose. But but yes, I, I, I see what you're saying there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really sort of snide, uh, irritating. I mean, the opening lyric of the entire album is I've got a wish in my well. As in wishing well, <laughs> and and immediately, immediately, I heard that and I shouted "fuck off" at my screen. I was so angry, and I just remained angry for the rest of the record. Really, um, it, the, the lyrics are just a bunch of quote unquote clever phrases, which don't actually mean a fucking thing. Um, and just nice. the just the fact that um, they clearly didn't have any particular love or standing for this kind of thing because they tried to be an emo band when they started out when they were five years behind the zeitgeist and then they went oh the 90s that was good let's try and get behind some sort of revival of that as well and they were clearly just trying to get famous the fact that they um with this album came out the first of october uh, first of august 2011 right 2011 yeah and by the first of april 2012 they'd split up i mean they yeah could I mean, not mo- be that, but fucked cheers. oh i apologize okay but i mean th- but they couldn't be <laughs> fucked worry. they could not be fucked they they were they were clearly just tra- chances trying to get famous off of the back of doing an absolutely abhorrently shit version of something that wasn't that good in the first place like i'm not a violent person right generally but when i listen to music like this it just all i can think about is inflicting pain upon the people who made it and like i don't think i really have it in me to torture someone but i would happily make an exception for viva brother and their ilk because like pass me the pliers let's start ripping out some toenails and wheel their families in as well so that they can watch because i fucking hate this abhorrent piece of shit it is awful it is hilariously bad i mean it's kind of hilarious and embarrassing and i mean actually alec petridis of the guardian uh said something as every song fades out you somehow imagine the theme music from tfi friday fading in um (laughs) (laughs) and it's true isn't it it's true isn't it it's like it's so desperately designed to have like you know joe guest is up next but here's viva brother do you know what i mean it is so like here's jet from gladiator but first here's viva brother like Oh, that's exactly it. we've got robson and jerome coming up but first his viva brother it's just <laughs> desperate it is so desperate this record and, and, and it's the um, cynicism it's the cynicism in it that makes me so vitriolic towards it because mm. you know it, it, that's what makes me so angry about it because they're clearly just trying to make like a fast buck slash become famous they gave up really quickly they couldn't be asked it peaked at number 34 in the uk album charts you know which yeah. they probably saw as a massive massive failure because they wanted to be superstars mm. idiots mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> pathetic record you have to wonder what they were thinking um as you mentioned Renfrey, they split so the album came out on the 11th of august they split on the 1st of april 2012 presumably again to show that their entire career was just one long <laughs> april fool's joke um 
But no, because actually they then announced that they were reforming on um, the 22nd yeah. of September 2017 and they released a new album a few months later. Where are they now? Who fucking knows? Who well, knows and the- who cares? There's still a band, apparently. Uh, well, uh, this is according to Wikipedia. Um, but, um, you know, the, the, it does say uh, 2017 to present. So um, mm. I'm guessing they're still a band. Who knows? I think the the legacy section of their Wikipedia page sums it up the best. Uh, yeah. And it says, Viva Brother are considered by the British press as the first band of the Britpop revival. And as we've sort of mentioned, what happened to the Britpop revival, guys? <laughs> Where is it now? Well, how long did that last? 45 seconds? The Britpop revival. The fucking shame of it to be the first band of a revival that didn't... Did that I mean... <laughs> you've got that much chance of the... Like, the fu- playing the fucking Spoons revival lasted longer than the Britpop revival. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. I, I, the thing that... You, the other thing you haven't mentioned there is that you have just read the entire legacy section of the band's Wikipedia, but that is their legacy. Your entire legacy (laughs) is you were the first band of a thing that doesn't even (laughs) exist. That never existed. Uh, (laughs) What an absolute (laughs) joke this is. Rubbish. I mean, I didn't like the Enemy album, but I was like, the worst? Is it really the worst? Mm, Is it really the worst? I mean... Here we come, Renfrey. We come to rank it. Uh, so far, we have the worst album ever is Six Feet Under's Graveyard Classics Volume 2. The second worst album so far ever is Eoghan Quigg's self-titled debut album. The third worst album is Dirty Vegas's One. The fourth worst album is Streets in the Sky by The Enemy. And then <laughs> it's not really the, the, the fifth and the sixth, really. Um, but at five and six, way off in the distance, are Lou Reed's Metal Machine Music and Bob Dylan's Self Portrait. Now, Viva Brother are the seventh band and the seventh album to be added to this list. I did not think <laughs> anything could be worse than Eoghan Quigg. <laughs> Is this because I mean six feet under? We'll talk about in a second. But I, I think I mean straight away I'm ruling out Lou Reed and Bob Dylan. Not a chance. No, no, no. I think it's worse than the enemy. I think it's worse oh. than Dirty Vegas because it literally it made me laugh and it made me angry. And neither of those two yes. records made me laugh or made me angry. They yes. both made me go, eh, "This isn't yes. very good." Um, Eoghan's hilarious and didn't necessarily make me angry, apart from the context that surrounded it. Six feet under is just dreadful just but awful. for you Renfrey where does um, Viva Brother sit my I'm going to posit them third place between Eoghan Quig and oh fuck um, Dirty Vegas thank you Dirty Vegas because whilst I fucking hate this record and it's made me very very angry as people can hear I've wished torture upon them um I, Eoghan Quigg, the, 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 like, it's not, this record isn't produced badly. Like, it's not broken in that sense. It's just awful. The Eoghan, the Eoghan Quigg record is badly, awfully, awfully produced with some lovely string section put on the top of it. And the entire concept of Six Feet Under's Graveyard Classics 2 is broken. And... Is this album broken? 
no, it's just appalling. But there lies the difference for me. Hence, for me, I think this is number three. However, I despise it so much, I'm actually going to be relatively um, laid back in terms of if you want to put it higher in the chart, lower well, in the chart, however you're going to... I've actually put it at number three, okay. just behind Eogan and Six okay. Feet Under as well. Right. Um, as I said, I think Lou Reed and Bob Dylan, not, it's not getting no. near that. No. Um, Dirty Vegas and the Enemy, it's not, it didn't elicit it, enough of a response that this did. Um, I still think it was really between Eogan and this for number two, because I think Six Feet Under, as you quite rightly say, is just a, dis- a complete and utter disaster, disaster in, yeah. ev- in every every single respect. Yeah. Um, Eogan gets number two for me because it's somebody else fucking over that kid, basically. Yeah. Viva Brother, a dick, a, a, a money grabbing dickheads, just like Simon Cowell and all his lot are money grabbing dickheads. But they tried to grab a load of money, and they, you know, both of them, what they have in common is they're both so bad that they failed mm-hmm. um yeah eorgan actually has got kind of good material to work with as well which is just ruined yeah so that's a bit of a shit house whereas famous first words there's nothing kind of good about it like you say it's just a really 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 bad record yeah a really yeah. bad record a yeah. bunch of chances and tossers who tried to be famous for a minute and they fucked up and uh, I don't think there's anything morally, kind of inherently morally repulsive about that in the same way as I think there is some pretty dirty dealings going on with the organ record. Beaver Brother doesn't quite have that, although I think whoever they are, they should be slapped fucking hard for making this record and for even thinking they had any right at all to be a band. Sorry, lads, <laughs> if you're listening, you shouldn't be a band. You don't, even you don't want to be a band. You just want to be on Soccer AM. Yeah, yeah. That's I all agree. you want. You want to be on Soccer AM and you want to go oi, 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 and you want people to do that. Like, people know what I mean the Terry Butcher, Chris Waddle dance. That's what <laughs> they want people to do. That like moving your hips, that kind of wedding dance. People want to do that while well, drinking a fucking cider. And it's your lads, aren't you? Lads, lads, lads. Ugh, awful. Well, not not to evoke, you know, the show of the moment, but this is a band of Joe Exotics, isn't it? They want to be famous. So they don't care how they do it or they don't care about integrity or how it happens. They just want fame. And the fact that mm-hmm. they, you know, tried to jump on an emo bandwagon, albeit five or six years too late, and just shows that utter idiocy and then went from that to going oh actually blur are coming back now maybe we should jump on that bandwagon and then be so God. fucking shit at it um you know i mean uh, i think i think and they, they, they called it famous first words for fuck's sake i mean i i i just strongly feel that this is a band of people who wanted to be massive and um, mm. try to do that in the least artistic, creative manner possible. Um, I'm I'm not sure the word tosser has ever been more <laughs> apt for it. It feels like the bullseye for tosser. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like if I met yeah. them, I'd go like, wow, you are... The word tosser was invented for you. <laughs> so, like, you are, you are complete tossers. Yeah, um, so there you go. Yeah, put them at number three. Uh, that is Viva Brother, famous first words, but it means it's going to be great. It's going to be joined by another album next week, Renfrey. And I'm just straining a little bit because I'm reaching across to get next week's album out of the hat full of shit. Which because we've got no YouTube channel, 
you don't get to see but ah oh it's it's another big one um cosmos rocks by queen and paul rogers (gasps) two classics coming together to embarrass themselves so uh next week the eighth album of the broken records crew <laughs> got some big got some big names in here now uh renfrey yeah, got some big yeah, names yeah. lou reed bob dylan queen queen are all yeah. gonna be in there fucking yeah, hell wow. well we'll see um so that should be fun so there you go queen and paul rogers cosmos rocks will be next week's broken record we also next week uh we'll be talking about car seat headrest gold key havoc uh umbra vitae uh amongst maybe others who knows um go to musicism.net and type in the word Riot in capital letters and you'll get 25% off of all of their excellent courses. We'll be back next week. Um, go over to our Patreon page as well, patreon.com forward slash Riot Act podcast. And there will be uh, a plethora of stuff for you to enjoy whilst you're on lockdown. Um, and uh, yeah, it um, should be a good show next week as well, I think, Renfrey. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Car Seat Headrest Gold Key and, uh, and Queen lovely stuff tag queen yeah <laughs> lovely stuff um yeah loads of freddie mercury in that oh maybe not bed or um, <laughs> won't be won't be doing any bead ops will we oh, that's a shame uh <laughs> all right anyway we'll see you next week and um uh yeah, that's it thanks cheers